BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. It's the biggest, most important draft in the history of this Philadelphia football franchise. It will determine the outcome of this season for the next five years and beyond before a down is ever played. Welcome to the Jacob Media Sports 2022 NFL Draft Special, live on 6ABC.com from Ocean Casino Resort in Atlantic City. Presented by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles, IBEW Local 98, Stateside Vodka, United Healthcare, Mesa Law, 6ABC, and Budweiser, the official beer of the Philly sports fan. Let's go, Philly. Let's get this draft show underway. Live from Ocean Casino Resort in Atlantic City, E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Humpty Hump Day. Welcome in. Three amigos back together, reunited, and it feels so good. What's happening, everybody? Welcome on in. He's Derek Gunn. He's Barrett Brooks. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Media, YouTube Network. Oh, man, guys. All right, so the countdown is on. Are you guys prepared for this? We are now 32 hours, 32 hours away from the NFL draft. All the mocks, all the analysis, everything. Barrett living in the film room nonstop. And finally, here we are. Barrett, how you feeling as we're, we're, we're just about to touch down? We haven't quite landed yet. But we're about to touch down, man. Uh-oh. We are not hearing back. Bro. There it is. Can't wait. Just can't wait. But I am nowhere closer to knowing what the Eagles are going to do than any, <laughs> in any position I've ever been in. I mean, I I, I, I went through. I've, I've looked at so much film, countless hours of film. I looked at players. I've analyzed what the e- uh, needs of the Eagles are. And I'm still no closer. They can go in so many different directions and get a quality player, and 
a guy can come in and play right now. Mm-hmm. But at what position is is is, is the biggest need? Yeah, I, I, I think you make a great point. I I, I do, I, Derek. I think anybody who tells you they have this thing nailed and they got it wired, they know exactly what the Eagles. You're lying. First right. of all, like Barrett said, there's so many holes. There's so many different ways you go. Number right, one, right. and how he's extremely unpredictable. You know, um, I am confident beyond a shadow of a doubt. I don't know a doggone thing about what they're going to do right now. The only, people, <laughs> right. <laughs> the only people who know what they're going to do are the people that are behind closed doors. Um, but as it gets closer and closer, I will know before they pick who they're going to pick. Mm-hmm. But that, are you talking to mom while I'm talking? Saying hi. He, was, he was not, wasn't being rude. He was just waving. You got to acknowledge mom, man. When mom checks in, Gunner. Hi, Phyllis. Good morning, Mrs. Brooks. No, you're, you're right. You're right. You know, you're right, you're right. Good morning, Mrs. Brooks. Could you please give us some more information about your son <laughs> no, that we could not. use, please? That's um, my mom. No. Uh, yeah. Well, you know that she's <laughs> our mom. Always goes there. The Derek can never say mom. hi. He's got to always dig up. No. There. Right. Right. Well, <laughs> you don't understand. You don't understand how this man has antagonized me over the last five years. <laughs> Any opportunity I can get to get some information, I am more than willing to receive this information. And Mama Brooks has been a wealth of information in the short time we've been doing this show. <laughs> Do I need to go back to the re- information she revealed last week that humbled him, left him speechless, and to this day, we still don't know exactly what no, happened. That's we true. do know there was handcuffs, yes. uh, arrest <laughs> yes. involved, but we don't know the entire story. So and yes, he won't Mama give it Brooks, up either, so yeah, we don't no, know. Oh, well, yeah, but you know what, bro? D-Gun, we'll find out. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, you are not I the guy I'd want to try and keep a secret from. I'm just yes. saying. Right, right, right. I, I, will, I will find out. I promise you that. <laughs> but no, back to your point. If but yeah, we, were, yeah. we sit here 32 hours away. I feel like we don't know any more than we knew. Maybe since they made the trade with New Orleans to get rid of one of the first rounders. I think we're in the same boat that we're right. in after they made that move. It, just right. having no idea. Think about the directions they could go, guys. D-line, right? D-edge, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, or either or they could go corner depending on who falls they could shock the world and get and take a safety if say kyle hamilton falls they could go receiver they could really shock the world and go linebacker i, I, mean, <laughs> I mean i know you heard what is this thing on no right I, i'm serious man i mean there's like six or seven different ways that you could go with this thing and and, always- and not and, and be filling a need that you absolutely have too I can't say it enough. There's only one linebacker I would consider with that 15th pick or higher, and you guys know who that is. He wore that Georgia logo. That's the only linebacker. And I know there's a couple Dean close. is definitely it. He's a good dude, That's it. man. That's yeah. the dude I'm taking. Every time I've seen this kid play, Michael Parsons, visions of Michael Parsons comes comes in my head. You know, where Christmas is visions of sugar plum dancing in your head. In <laughs> you my li- case, you have linebackers. It's, it's visions of Michael Parsons <laughs> dancing in my head when I see Nicobe Dean play. That's the only linebacker I would consider taking that high. You know, I'm not saying there's other linebackers that are not worthy of taking in the first round. Yeah. But that dude is a kamikaze, man. I mean, he you you talk about flat out assassin on defense, can do everything. He uh-huh. can track you down. It's like, you know, you watch these animal documentaries and you see cheetahs tracking gazelles and how quickly they cut and all this stuff to move. That's N'Kobe Dean, man. He can cut on a dime. He can do whatever you want. He's only 5'11", but I'm going to tell you something. He plays like he's about 6'11". That's, yeah, the I, perfect, that's a perfect analogy of what, what N'Kobe Dean is. Thank you. You said, you said, you said a, a, a cheetah tracking yes. down a gazelle, but the that's only right. thing about it, those cheetahs are are, are, are kind of they're they're because they're so fast they're frail. 
their bones break easily. So while they're tracking down and going and, and, and killing a gazelle, after they kill the gazelle, hyenas and tigers come and take their food. So that's the only thing I'm worried about with the Nicole Dean. Wait, what is he gets eat up by those one of those big offensive linemen, eat them up and, and spit feel, them out? Okay. Okay. I didn't know where you were going with that for a minute. I, I didn't either. I'm like, what is he talking where about? Where the hyenas here? coming from? Yes. All right. I, 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 I feel what you're saying. I feel what you're saying, but I still take I still take a chance on it. Yeah. Do you want this? Do you want this man to end up in on another team in your division? What if What if Nakobe slides down the board, and Dallas gets him to go along with Michael Parsons? Do you want to see that? Don't do that. Don't. don't Do you want to see that? Do you want to see him in a Washington uh, uniform or a Giants uniform? Do you want to see that? No. No. Do you really want to see that? I look. The thing is, you know, last year you don't lose your mind over. them taking Devontae Smith instead of Micah Parsons. Like, because we all think that I think we're all on the same page here thinking Devontae Smith's going to be a really good player and showed you a lot last year. So right. it hurts. You feel it a little, it stings, but you're not destroyed. If they pass on one of these kids and they go right. on either uh, Lloyd right. or, or Nicobe Dean, your guy, yes. there, and yep. they turn into beasts. Yeah. I mean, it's especially yes. in division, it's going to be brutal, man. It's yeah, terrible I, that my, my, my mind is always tied. And I, I hate that I do this. My mind is always tied to, all right, should they have taken whatever pick Dallas has taken? Yeah, yeah. And I that's know. what it's you, been. You, you, but you, yeah. it's only it's human nature, man. Well, see, I mean, I'm, for instance, you know, C.D. Lamb. Yes. Woo. And now last year, um, they went out and got Michael Parsons. Yes. And both years, you know, those guys have, have, have eaten us alive when we played against them. So that I mean that's the only that's the only way I'm, I I think and and I think like that just because it's always you know that's always my 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 biggest spur you know in, in on my backside is is is, is Dallas you know what I'm saying but, yeah. but yeah. just looking at this draft um, just like you know the the commercial said for Jacob Media this is one of the if not the most important draft for Howie Roseman as a talent evaluator. This is this is this is where we see if he's humble enough to go in and take the advice of the people around him and push, you know, push his ego aside. Um, you know, just from knowing Howie and talking to Howie, you know, I, I see there's a little bit of a all right, you know, see, I told you so. But he's now starting to learn that okay, then I don't know it all. And since I don't know it all, let me go in and 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 and, and, and try to mix with some guys that, that understand also some things that I don't understand. And I think that's why last year's draft was so successful. Mm-hmm. Just about everybody in that draft, um, you know, at one point or another, impacted the Eagles season. So, right, I mean, right. and, and that's because I think Andy Weidel and, 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 you know, the rest of the scouts, he listened to those guys. So, I mean, if he goes forward like that, I think it's not going to be a problem. I think Howie's going to be good enough that he, you know, he understands enough that, He's got to put this together, but I want to see how he's going to go in and evaluate with his head coach. He's going to give the head coach a little bit of say, a little leeway. Evidently, he has because he went out and got a guy that's just a guy at the wide receiver position. I mean, he's not going to be one yeah. Of that guys. was that was strictly based on endorsement. Yes, one hundred percent from Nick Sirianni because the, the numbers aren't going to blow you away. Look, if he if he's a fourth, uh, I'm okay. Yeah, that's fine. If you're if you're counting on him to be anything more, I think is where you're making the mistake. With right, 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 right. But Barrett, I, I you, think yeah. you go ahead, Derek. go ahead. No, go ahead, dude. I was just going to say, Barrett. I think he makes a great point in that how critical this draft is for a number of reasons. One, because they had a good one last year, right? And and you want to see if how he really is you know, incorporating everybody into this thing in, in the, in the pro personnel department and scouting department. One, two, 
they're teetering. They either make the right moves and they push themselves in the legitimate playoff contender category where they're not just nine and eight kind of sneaking in, backdooring in with a bad schedule. All of a sudden, wow, this team's legit. Or they kind of fall back the other way and they're they're in that that mess of seven wins and you know, purgatory, if you will. Yes. <laughs> I, I think I think that um you know, going back to what Barrett said a few moments ago about how he listening to people. I think the biggest testament to that is the draft last year when he used the first two picks on picking guys from Alabama. You know, this is a team that neglected the SEC and Alabama and Georgia for years, and people were screaming, why are we not taking players from that conference or those elite schools? Mm-hmm. And they flipped the script, and the first two picks last year were from those schools, and they're going to be cornerstones for this organization for years to come. You know, and so hopefully they follow suit and realize that if you want to be the best, you got to go out and get some of the best. If you want to build with with the best, you got to go to the best conference. And you're in a position to get a couple of players from that conference, even if they're not the names we're talking about. There's still talent on those two teams in that conference that can help be game changers and organized organization changers on this team. So you know, we, again, we don't know what they're thinking. We don't know what they're going to do. I'm not so sure how he's going to stay at 15 with that pick. Now, he might get the itch and try to move up. There may be that one player that they get close to that sees dropping on the board, especially if a couple of quarterbacks, and which I would be shocked, yeah. but if a couple quarterbacks go in the top 10 or 12 in that draft and other players start sliding, if I'm Howie. Like O-Lyman. Yes. 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 O-Lyman, yes. They're going to run a, those. Yeah. Hey, there's a lot of teams out there that need a cornerstone, left tackle, right yeah. tackle out there. You know, and, you know, that means other players are going to slide. And that, if that's F- the case, I don't blame them. Derek, funny you bring that up. So, because I have no life, this is what I was doing before the show. <laughs> okay, today. So, I was looking at the teams that are selecting ahead of the Eagles, and I was anticipating either offensive lineman or quarterback. I'll run them past you guys, if, if, if you, and you tell me if I'm crazy, right? Okay. Now, Jacksonville is a coin flip. They could go yeah. edge rusher, but they yep. could, to me, I, I want to protect Trevor Lawrence. That's just yeah. me. So they're a possibility for an O-lineman. I, I can't say they're a lock, but I think they're that could go a lot of different ways, okay? And, and I think Doug would want to protect his franchise quarterback. That's just me. I don't know how much state Doug has. But uh, Detroit, their offensive mm-hmm. line was terrible, and they need edge rushers, yep. right? So that could – I don't know. That could go either way, too. Houston absolutely needs offensive linemen, 100%. Yep. The Jets, do you want to protect Zach Wilson or not? The Giants – a horrible yes. offensive yes. line. Horrible. Yep. Okay. They're another team. They're, they're, I just gave you the top five. Then you go Carolina, right. I think could take a quarterback. That yep. rule is is on the hottest of hot seats. And yep. you're going to war with Sam Darnold? Like, give me a break. Then mm. you get the Giants again. A possibility if they didn't take it with the other pick, they might pick an offensive lineman with that pick. Atlanta. Is Mariota the long-term answer? Or do they no. go Malik Willis there? There's a quarterback, right? Then you Michael Vick part two. Hundred percent. Seattle. What, what are you? What are you going to battle with here in terms of the quarterback? You know, I don't know. And then it's the Jets. Then it's Washington. I start getting worried about some of these teams. Then it's the Vikings. It's the Texans again, and the yeah. Ravens, who are a distinct possibility to take one of these defensive linemen. Or yeah. you know, we're talking about. So I'm just saying. I just gave you of the fourteen. There's probably eight or nine that could either grab a quarterback or an offensive line. That's right. Just great That's for right. the Eagles, right? You're absolutely right, man. That's why That's right. players like Stingley might drop. Uh, Hamilton might drop. All those guys, you know, uh, I mean, in, even looking at, you know, a guy that was 
he was actually ranked the number one um, player going into this draft. And Kayvon Thibodeau, for, probably for the entire year, except for the last month of the season. So yeah. looking at that, you're right. There is an opportunity that teams will start drafting for need as opposed to the best player available. The best player available may not may not look like what they what they need to pick up. You know what I'm saying? So I love what you're saying, man. And I, I did the same thing. I went through and looked at it also. And, and you know, to me, it's going to be a coin, you know, a, a coin flip on where these teams are going, where yeah, these got, GMs think. Well, that's the thing too, Gunner. Like, I, yeah. there's always the guy that falls for whatever reason. Like Justin Jefferson, there was no off the field stuff or some something leaked at the last no. second. For whatever yeah. reason, he just started. The, people categorized him as a slot receiver, which we yep. know now is ridiculous. But anyway, he started falling. There's no way people saw him possibly sitting there when the Eagles were selecting. I'm not trying to bring up a bad memory here. I'm just telling you. But you happens, did. I did. But it happens all the time. So to think that it's impossible, I don't know if Thibodeau falls that far, uh, but you could see Hamilton falling possibly depending on what the needs are of other teams. Then all of a sudden you look at it, you're like, all right, I got to get up two or three spots to make this happen. 100% that's in Howie's wheelhouse. Right. Right. Yeah, and if you look at like a, a, a player like Evan Neal, Evan Neal was supposed to go top five pick. But everybody's starting to question his love for the game, like they did, mm. like they're doing Kayvon Thibodeau. Mm. Question his love for the game, you know. No character issues. It's just well, whether he wants to play. Is he that tied into being that type of player? Uh, Derek Stingley also. You know, everybody's questioning, you know, can he really play? I mean, he had one great year. I mean, off the charts year. And then he dealt with injuries and then – you know, his last year he was injured again, and and he just didn't. It didn't seem like he was totally tied to being the best cornerback in yeah. in the league. So and they were terrible, and he he almost fed into it a little bit. Exactly, kind of makes you nervous a little. Exactly. So that's one of those. All right, does he have that will to win? Does he have that will to go out there and be the best he can be? I mean, he had that LSU man. He had the LSU jersey on. He wore number seven. Hmm. You know, when you wear number seven as a DB, you you know you big time. So at this point. It's just so up in the air. I love the fact, man, that this is one of the best drafts I I could, you know, you know, looked at in a long time. Where, where, where the strengths of this draft are, are the are the inequity of the um, Philadelphia Eagles, wherever you know the secondary, uh, defensive line, linebacker, wide receiver. That's the strength of this draft. Yep. You know, I I, I don't care if a player loves playing football anymore. Uh, you can put Fletcher Cox in that category. Fletcher has openly said he doesn't love football, but he's good at it, right? Um, if, if a player, when he puts it on, puts straps on the gear and steps between those lines in a practice field or a game, if he's giving me 100% and he's an upper echelon player, by all means, hate football as much as you want, long as you're ready to go to work when we go to work. You know, football is so governed now by metrics, analytics, um, the combine, pro days, Right, you know, and right. a lot of, a lot of times those are not the measurables of what a player is. When you think about it, I think we get too caught up. Man, he ran a four three forty. Yeah, but what kind of route runner is he? Is he a one trick yep. pony? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Man, you got offensive lineman running four seven, defensive lineman running four seven. Can he blow somebody off the football? That's all I care about. I don't care if he's the next Carl Lewis. Can he blow somebody off the football? That's all I care about. Can he stand stout in the trenches? And can he be disruptive in a run game and a passing game as a defensive line? I don't care if his straight-ahead speed is 4-5, 4-6. What can he give me in terms of measurables when he gets on a football field for me? 
I think we get too caught up, and all of us, and I'm and I'm guilty of this as well. We get too caught up in all these stats and measurables and cone drills. How many times are you gonna see a football player running around in a circle like a chicken with a wing cut off? You know, these guys are doing all these cone drills and stuff in the combat. Okay, look, okay, okay, fine. He's got quick turn, he can quick turn ability, so on and so forth. How often do they use that in a game? Right, really? right. I'll give you a great line, Derek, to feed in this. And I'm going way back for our younger audience. Just go back and watch YouTube, this guy, Earl Campbell. So Bum Bum Phillips, his coach, who was one of the great characters of the game, was asked about his 40 time, which wasn't good, right? And and what he, I'm sorry, that he didn't finish the mile. He didn't finish the mile in in training camp. And the reporter said, what are you going to do with with Earl Campbell? He didn't didn't finish the mile. He said, when it's first in a mile, I won't give it to him. Okay. I mean, is that not? I mean, is that not feed into what you're saying here? Absolutely. Earl Campbell was Absolutely. the beast of all beasts. Okay, he, he, I'm not worried about him finishing a mile. He's going to go get me ten or or five and and truck you into into next week when he needs it. There's a lot of guys that fit into that category, Derek. Yes. Put on the game tape. Yeah. Kyle Hamilton showed up every okay. freaking week. Kyle Hamilton's a great example. Watch him before the injury. All yes. three, two and a half whatever it was, two and three quarters years he played at Notre Dame, and the guy dominated. And all of a sudden, we're worried about what he ran in, in the – by the way, his, his really? times are better than Malcolm Jenkins and Brian Dawkins. <laughs> right. <Thank you>. FYI. <laughs> okay? Thank you. Yeah, I'm you, know. Saying, you know, you look at Kyle Hamilton. All right, he ran a 4-5. Yes, there are defensive linemen running 4 fives. Yes. But we're talking about a guy that has instincts for the game, who yes. loves the game. Me, I'm going to tell you the truth. I didn't love the game of football. See? I played it because I was good at it. And the reason go. why I was good at it, but I was because I was competitive. There you go. I never wanted to get beat. Now, the love of the game was not there because football is hard, man. You yeah. know, people don't understand football is hard. The way you have to condition your body. You beat your body up. You have to run. You have to stay in shape all the time. You have to run when you don't want to run. You have to diet when you don't want to diet. I right. mean, you got to study when you don't want to study. You got to watch film when you don't want to watch film. You have to know a playbook inside and out. You got to know what the next man next to you is going to do. And you have to know what the defense is and everything else. It is hard to be an NFL football. In fact, it's hard to be in a high school, college, and NFL football player, period, because all the demands that you yeah. have to do, it's different from other sports where you, uh, you know, like soccer, soccer, you're running and, and you know, change direction. It might be physically more demanding than, you know, football. But I'm talking about, you know, as far as you know, conditioning. But going out there and hitting a man, going back and forth, trying to push a guy, and then you turn around, you got to hit a linebacker. It just takes a toll on you. So I'm gonna tell you the truth. I never, I never disliked football, but I didn't have the innate love that I've seen guys do. But one thing I wasn't gonna do was let right. somebody go out there and kick my ass. Mm-hmm. So I was gonna do but, everything possible but, not to make that happen. But see, Barrett, also too, you were playing for a coach who was legendary. He brutalized players up at Lehigh. I was up oh. in Lehigh doing the whole Andy Reid tenure, man. No, I and wasn't. Those I wasn't Andy. Was brutal. I was with Ray Rose. You didn't play. You, know, you weren't here for Andy. No, okay. but Ray, if you had Ray played, too. But, Ray but you, killed you, us. You, you play for coaches like that. They they brutalized players oh. up in Lehigh, man. I mean, we from a media standpoint, I think we were we were sick, man. We couldn't wait to get up there for the first day of hitting. I would get up there early to get a good spot. Because Andy well, Reid, when first day of hitting, and you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, not one, not two, but several fights were going to break out during the first day of hitting. It was always the case. And how many players talked about how Andy Reid would beat up his players so much, man, that there weren't enough ice baths to go around 
between practices to get you ready for the afternoon session in the sweltering heat up at Lehigh. Bro, I was in my rookie year. We were in Westchester. Now, you didn't oh, know about this, Deacon. Uh, Westchester was yeah, the worst uh, of all. Rob. I remember it, yeah. They put us in. It was like a Oh, the a, dorms a were the worst. I, I oh, used yeah. to go up there all the time, Derek. Oh, I, I, oh. I know. They were and it was and, and, and we practiced down in this little valley where there was no wind in the valley. It was just smoldering heat, man. And oh. you, it was just the worst. And then back in those days, we had camp for seven weeks. When you're a rookie, you had oh. camp for seven. It was rookies and selected veterans had to come into camp seven weeks. And the veterans didn't have to be there until the week after we got there. Mm -hmm. So when the veterans come in, that we had already been there for a week, so we're already beat up. And then the veterans come, and then they continue to just massacre our bodies. But we'd have a three-hour practice in the morning, a two-and-a-half practice in the evening. And it was horrible in the aspect that it was hitting in pads the entire time. We had like two or three days out of that six – out of seven weeks, we only had two or three days where we had um, nothing, where we were just totally off. And then we had three or four days in which we had one a day. The rest of the time, it was full goal, full pads. And, and it, it, it's the worst thing I've experienced in my life, man. The training worst camps, thing I've experienced yeah. in my life. Training camps nowadays is a joke compared to what you went it's through. The breakfast club. I'm telling you, Bear, I stand out there and I look and I mean, it's like flag football, man. Oh. And, and you wonder why there's such an abundance these days of significant injuries. Now, I know this is something that the players wanted in their latest collective bargaining agreement to practice less, but I think it's doing more detriment than good to the bodies in terms. You know, players that came out like Dawkins and those guys, they always talked about how you needed X amount of weeks to get your body hard, to yes. get ready for football. And getting it hard doesn't mean lifting weights. X amount of hits to get yourself mentally and physically prepared for the rigors that were coming up in September through through January. Man, now it's like flag football league out there, man. Okay, yep. 50, okay, half hour practice, everybody take a water break, go back and walk through. We got to walk through. Wait, what? Walk through? This is the first week of practice. You already do walkthroughs? Hey, and then it hit? Oh, my goodness. Derek, he, he's on record as saying he's going to dial it back in the OTAs this offseason. They're, I think the re, the max you can do is like five or six or whatever. I th I don't even think he's doing the max. He's cut it down like a day or so. So he's Nick's really going the opposite way. He did it last year in camp too. Now they didn't seem to have as many injuries as years past. I'm not saying one necessarily correlates with the other, but right. he's taking it like a far different direction from what it yeah. used to be back in the day. We took it as we we took training camp as all right. This is how you just like B Dog said. You harden your bodies. What he means by yep. harden your yep. bodies. Yeah. You you get to a point where you're feeling like, all right, I just can't do it anymore. Then you re can re and then when you go out there and you do it, you 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 reach past the load that you thought you couldn't do. So that's what you're hard in your body for. It's the difference between playing injured and playing hurt. You that's know what right. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's a it's a totally different um, mindset. Like I can get through maybe an a uh, ankle sprain or I can play through this because I've done it in training camp, so I know my body can handle it. I did uh mm -hmm. I did Syracuse's uh spring football game this year. And uh, you know, just talking to that coach and that head coach, he's saying, look, you know, we needed we needed spring football just so we could get them to understand it's a difference between being hurt and being injured. It's a difference between your body being sore and you're being, you know, being injured. You know, it's it's, it's a total different. And sometimes these kids and even these grown men in the NFL don't know, um, mm -hmm. don't know that point because they haven't made it to that point. 
You know, and that's what, you know, that's what, when you body, when you hit somebody, your body getting used to hitting somebody. I don't see how these players go out there and play uh, I don't either. In a full season when you're not even hitting anybody. Yeah, but Barrett, look at, look at the multitude of injuries that are piling up over the last several years compared to injuries in the past. Soft I mean, you tissue got, injuries. Yeah, you uh, exactly. The soft tissue injuries are the all-time high now. You know, and, you know, you're talking about more ACL tears, more hamstring issues, more Achilles issues than at any other time we've ever seen in this game. And I understand the players want to preserve their bodies, but don't you want to be there for the duration of the season? Now, some players, you know, it's funny. It's because all the, all the teams are doing this, and it just boggles my mind that if they're all going about the same lack of practice methods now, one team can get through a season unscathed with minimum injuries, and yet another team, you know, look look at what happened to the Baltimore Ravens last year. Prime example. They lost their top three running backs. Then they lost their top corner – what, yeah. top two cornerbacks. Top they two corners. They had, they had players falling by the way. And I'm talking ACL tears, Achilles. Mm -hmm. It was like every other day a significant player was going down. But yet another team sidesteps all the major issues. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, same makeup, same body structures. And it, does it come down to training regiments? How, how, do, do we not give trainers maybe enough credit for preparing players a certain way compared to some other trainers? Well, you know, I, I think some of it's tough, over. guys, because they're bit. You know, Barr, they're bigger and yeah. faster now too, and, and and your joints can only take so much. Your tendons yes. can only take so yeah, much. Yeah, Brian, 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 N hit it on the head. Uh, hit the hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Says because these guys are bigger, stronger, and faster. They're tendons, however. Yes, that's exactly what yeah, it is. Yes. I mean, you got guys, you know, like the kid uh Jordan Davis, who's six foot, you know, six foot six, six foot seven, um, you know, six foot five around there, running a a four seven forty. And the human body is barely meant to walk oh, upright, yes. Yes. let alone <laughs> running into a grown man full speed, man. Uh -huh. And 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 you know, these guys are bigger, stronger, faster. I can remember when I first got to NFL. They they wrote an article my rookie year about they said there was only like twenty eight guys in the NFL over three hundred pounds and I was one <laughs> and I was three oh two it was only I mean now they have guys that are you know three fifty coming out right now they have yes. high school kids three fifty yes. playing ball and so running just, four six four seven forties so I don't know what they're doing what they're feeding these kids the chicken that they're eating I mean I whatever it is <laughs> these kids are bigger stronger faster and I just don't understand how these kids are, 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 are at the level they are. But you yeah. know what? They said the same thing about that when I got there. Because when I got in the league, I can remember, you know, the, the original Hogs. Everybody thought they were just huge. Well, actually, those guys, they only yeah. average like like 290 pounds. Well, this day and age, yeah. if you're in a starting offensive lineman and you're under 300, it's news. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, we talk about yeah. Kelsey like he's just yeah. some tiny little guy. He's yeah. just not an enormous <laughs> behemoth like most right, of them are. Right. I mean, but we yeah, we act like Kelsey's like five foot two, uh, you know, a buck right. one. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna I mean, look up how Ke big Kelsey is. Kelsey is actually about 290. Yeah, you know, he's a pretty but that's small. Dude. That's yeah, small you know, for an offensive lineman. No, it is for sure. All right, so let, let, let's do this, guys. Let's keep rolling with the draft talk when we come back. Here's what I didn't even let everybody know what we have today. So Les Bowen's going to be joining us at 1 o'clock. We're going to talk about the NFL draft and what the Eagles may do with Les. That'll be at 1. At 2 o'clock, Rich Hoffman Jr. is going to join us. He covers the Sixers for the Athletic, man. And, you know, it's been – everybody's just kind of taking a step back today with everything, but they're back at it tomorrow – 
to see if they can put the Raptors away. Barrett, we didn't get a chance to get into that. We'll, we'll talk to you about that as well. And then at 2.30, Anthony Beck. Anthony Beck's going to join us 11 years in the NFL as a tight end. Right He's going to yep. be one. Yeah, a great dude, Barrett. You know him. You, oh, you we, guys we came out together. Lot. Yeah, yeah, and then I do his yeah. camp for him all the time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, he's gonna, And he's also going to be a head coach in the XFL in the upcoming season for the Tampa team. So we, we got a lot of ground. And his son is a stud. His son just signed uh, with Iowa State as a quarterback prospect. Wow. So he's, wow. we'll, we'll be a lot to talk about with Anthony. That'll be coming up at 2.30. But we'll keep rolling with the draft. I see a lot of folks in the comment section. I see you. Let's smash the like button. We keep uh, we'll keep responding to some of the questions that you have and, what, you know, just the methods of what's going on with the NFL these days. But there's a lot more to dive into because I think there's a lot up in the air right now as we sit here. And we know we don't know any more than we knew about a month ago. That's for sure. When it comes to the Eagles draft, we'll get into the Phillies who uh, all of a sudden look like they're stabilizing a little bit, guys. The offense is coming around. They're getting good starting pitching. So we'll talk Phillies. There's some more stuff on Ben Simmons. There's a lot of ground to cover. That's for sure. D gun Barrett Brooks. Rob Ellis, we are Sports Take, Jacob Media, YouTube Network. And I want to tell you about my friends at Pro Action Restoration. You got a home, you got a business, you got a property, and you've experienced the pain and inconvenience of water, fire, smoke, or mold damage to your property. You know how trying it can be. And if you haven't, let me give you the information that you're going to need in case it happens. Pro Action is on call 24-7, 24 hours, seven days a week. I've experienced this with my parents' house a few years back. ProAction came out. They were there quickly. They cleaned up the place. It was just a peace of mind for me and my parents. The crew was professional, clean. Price was very reasonable. They're licensed, bonded, and fully insured, serving the tri-state area for more than, more than two decades. ProAction will work, by the way, in conjunction with your insurance company, which you know what a headache that can be if they don't, but they do. That's for sure. Again, water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call, 610-623-3760. That's 610-623-3760. Or at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. It's the biggest, most important draft in the history of this Philadelphia football franchise. The Jacob Media Sports 2022 NFL Draft Special. Live on 6ABC.com from the Ocean Casino and Resort in Atlantic City. Presented by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. IBEW Local 98, Stateside Vodka, United Healthcare, Mesa Law, 6ABC, and Budweiser. The official beer of the Philly sports fan. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? 
<laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Yo, okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Welcome back, everybody. Happy, happy Wednesday, one and all, as we sit here on April 27th, one day away from the draft. We are Sports Take, Jacob Media YouTube Network. And just a reminder, guys, and you've seen some of the spots here uh, on the stream, but uh, what fun we're going to have tomorrow, man. So first and foremost, the three of us are going to be together for our usual time period from 12 to 3 for sports take Barrett, Derek and I, but then we just blow this thing up at eight o'clock, man. It's going to be wild. There you go. You got Seth Joyner. You got, look at that handsome Derek gun and that, and that headshot right there. Authoritative. Authoritative. Yeah. You're all business. And that. like Seth is smiling. Usually Seth is grimacing and, and yes. to, you, know, yes. you're, you got the serious look there. Devin looks good about as business. always. That's right. Yeah. Mike quick, ready to roll. And then some other guy right there, but yeah, the, the professor, five of us, Rob Ellis. Yeah. Right. <laughs> The five of us together, and Barrett's going to be joining. And we got all kinds of stuff in store for you. There's going to be a band, which I cannot wait, man. We're going to be rocking it out from Ocean uh, Resort Casino. It's going to be awesome well, bro, uh, tomorrow night. I mean, did you, did you, did you just hear that his live commercial? No, oh, I got, I got the, I got the full stateside commercial, dog. I mean, oh, did you, get your, did you get your cases yet? No, I'll get them this weekend. Yeah, okay. right. Who are you relying on, Xander, to get them to you? Yeah, Xander, he he'll, he'll he'll get them to me. And plus, it's gonna be my birthday in a minute too. I almost guarantee he'll get it to me. Man, okay. you look good for sixty, brother. I ain't gonna lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> that's rough. I ain't gonna lie to you, man. Yeah. Fifty years old, man. Yeah. Can you believe it, man? But that's, hey, man, that's rough out in, out in this stream. It's rough. Yeah, <laughs> these streets are rough. All right, it is, man. You know, but. You know, speaking of what we were talking about as far as the draft and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm watching the stream and, you know, how is a great GM outside of drafting Jeremiah? Wow. Butler. Wow. <laughs> wow. <They are> ruthless. <laughs> Nobody said it was going to be wow. easy, man. Yeah. Right, 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 right. But, but you know, I hey, how about this history, man. Hey, Bear, how about this one? Daz deals. I have no problem with how he's staying. His draft power just needs to be revoked. What? <laughs> 
can we can we all just get along here? I mean, well, the other thing oh, is, oh my goodness, I, I, we can wish and hope all we want. It ain't happening. No, he is in, he is in charge. It just no. it is what it is. You can not like it all you want, but that's the way it is. I, I, this is why, to Barrett's point off the top of the show, I, you have to give credit where credit's due. They yes. had a great draft last year. They really yes. did. Yes. I, this is why I can't wait to see if this have is faith. something to build faith. on. Yeah, yes. well, something to build on. And, and yeah, whatever. If Howie was humbled, or he just is philosophically looking at things differently, good. Whatever. I, I don't. I don't care how we got here. But this, they have to build on this, guys. Because when you go in, if you're not going to be super aggressive in free agency, which or making trades or whatever, which they made some moves, but they weren't super aggressive. You better be right in the draft. No, you, you better get be it right. right. I, yeah, they, that's it. Look at it, Rob. You know, like you know, what was that Soul Blaze? Howie couldn't pick the right. Daisy, if it was the only one, yeah, that ain't right. Man. That's not right. That's cold blood. I That's can't, man. Right. I, I I can't say that. I, That's I, not right. I can just go. It's 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 always been for me. A what have you done for me lately? Yeah. And there um, you go. There when you I go. look at how it's done lately, I mean he's he's done he's done pretty good at, at yes. you know last last year's draft. And you have to build. These days you have to build in the draft because the price of free agency has gone up so much that. If you don't, you're going to fall behind the rest of the league. Well, yeah. and I'm you know, glad. Go ahead, Barrett. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm just saying, if you can't build in the draft, you're going to have to go into free agency, and then you're going to be up against the cap every year. Yep. Free agency, you just can't live by that anymore. We live by free agency. You know, when we won the Super Bowl, all those free agents we had, um, we brought in Howie Long, I mean, uh, Chris Long. You had, you had, you know, uh, Legarrette Blunt, Alshon. Uh, Timmy Jernigan, Patrick all, Robinson, Patrick yeah. Robinson. You know, all these guys had substantial reps, and the reason why we won the Super Bowl is probably because of how how we brought these free agents in. Well, you just can't do that anymore with the salary cap being the way it is and being yeah. strapped like that. You have to draft within. So say what you want to say about Dallas. Dallas has done a hell of a job at drafting. Say what you want to say. Yeah. I mean, they they got their defense, their offense, all those guys that they're playing with on the offensive defense side of the ball for the most part. For the most part, are from their draft. They're drafted guys. Mm-hmm. That offensive line, quarterback, running backs, yeah, uh, receivers, secondary, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Cooper linebackers you know, that was a uh, free agent. You look at the linebackers: Vander Esch, Parsons, uh, Smith, yeah. uh, defensive line. You know, all those guys were digs in the in. secondary. Yeah, no, no, right. no, no, no. I don't yeah, know. You know, but but the right. biggest part, but the biggest problem is, as well as they've done in terms of drafting, that window is short. Yes. Because you can't you can't pay all of these guys. Yeah, you know that window's short. So if they don't get it done within the next couple of years, they may have to start this process all over again. Oh, too bad. Dallas may not win another Super Bowl for another decade. <laughs> oh, yeah. two long, decades long, plus. Long as Mike McCarthy is the head coach down in Dallas, yes. You know what? I'm happy. Yeah, that's I'm my happy. double agent. That's yeah. my double agent. That's right. That's right. McCarthy and, and Jerry are are, are yeah. just a beautiful thing, man. Just like Daniel Snyder is in Washington. He caught lightning in a bottle one year, won a Super Bowl in Green Bay, and then after that, people are like, "How much longer are we keeping Mike McCarthy?" Right. How, how much so I mean, he, just he think looked- about you can't emphasize enough that last play, how their season ended. Yeah, <laughs> between the coach and the quarterback. I, I, I mean, it's as yeah. boneheaded as it gets. It's it's yeah. The, the, yeah. the ultimate lack of of understanding the situation. It, it's unbelievable. But yeah, I, you know, the other thing is, Derek, you look at this off season. Look at how much teams gave up to get a Tyreek Hill. Oh, how yes. much yes. teams paid guys who are, frankly, Christian Kirk. 
mediocre-ish, maybe a little better. Yeah. So I, I can't kill the Eagles for that. I like I, would I like them to be more aggressive in some areas? Yes, but I looked at some of those prices, man, of some what some of those guys were getting, and it, it was mind-boggling. Bro, to get a Debo Samuels, and I was on board with that. And uh, when I really sit back and I saw what Tyreek got, man, a first rounder, they'd have probably had to ask for a third rounder, fourth yeah. rounder, seventh rounder. Um, you know, the second born, not the first born, but a second born <laughs> kid, you know what I'm saying, and a little cousin just to get a guy like Debo Samuels. And Jeffrey's not- two Oscars or three. Right. <laughs> right. You know, so yeah. it's just ridiculous what free agents are getting these days. So you have to build through the draft. You know, it's hey, like. Look- Go ahead, Barrett. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I'm, I'm done. Look, look at what Daz Dio just said. We don't draft dogs. We draft guys with pocket protectors. What? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Are you serious? We don't, we don't draft dogs. We draft guys with pocket protectors. We draft nice guys. Really? <laughs> I don't well, know. I think Milton Williams has some dog in him. Yeah. I think yeah. Landon Dickinson has some dog in him. A lot of dog in him. Devontae right. Smith has some dog in him. You know, I mean, I mean, those yeah. are not pocket protector type guys you're talking about here. No, man. was it? Look, it was, like we said, it was a good draft. I mean, but there's still there's still visions of Rager. There's still visions of Whiteside. There's still visions of Donnell Pumphrey, Pumphrey, Sidney oh. Joe, all dancing oh. in our head, right? And oh. and it's hard to get that stuff out of there for whatever reason. That sticks even more, I think, than the good picks. So rightfully so, people are on the fence here, and I think that's fair. But you're in a position. At least on in pay on paper, at fifteen and eighteen, where you should be able to get major impactful players, one way or the other. Like it, it, I'm not saying it's foolproof, but you should be able to. I believe in Howie's process for 2022. I'm going on record right now. Okay. Whereas, whereas Rob went on record saying they're going to take a linebacker in the first round, which <laughs> oh I'm you still missed that. Of, were you here for that, I'm, Derek? Or you, miss, you missed that, Barrett? No, I I, I heard it too. Okay. Yeah. I heard uh, it too, and, and, and then you're you're gonna be a good player too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, did Rob have a concussion when he said I, that? Or? It was that gin in my drink. I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, that's when he had that. He had the pink cup, man. I, I, hey, yesterday, Barrett. Cheers, Barrett. Barrett. Some of the stuff Rob said yesterday. The more he drank from that pink cup, the I more know. I began to wonder what's in that pink cup. That's why you need to stick because... around for the full three hours. You don't know what's coming later. <laughs> By 245, Robert's speech was Woo! a little slurred. I'm like, what, what are you talking about here? Really? Is that where I, we're going with this? I'm telling you, man. Yeah. It's, well, it, can, you know, it can get ugly. Yeah, for for the draft though, um, of course, you know, I have I have, I have to do I'll be I'll be dual purpose, you know. So I'll be doing NBC and I'll be doing Jacob Media. So I'll be bouncing right. back and forth and I'll be jumping on the show with you guys. But I just can't wait to see, you know, what corresponds in front of, you know, Howie. Mm-hmm. Right. And how is that going to dictate how aggressive he is, how nonchalant yeah. he is, right. or even how unaggressive he is in, in, in dropping back? You know, I want to I want to see it, man. I want to see, you know, where this all goes because I still don't see how you think a quarterback's going to be drafted in the first round when I don't think it's first round talent. I mean, yeah, I, but Barry, I, if there's ever a position where they make that mistake, right. it's that one. Yep. Man. I agree people with you. Jump. People jump. Look yeah. at the Jets. I yeah. kept telling yes. people. With the Jets, I'm telling you, I thought, like, look, this kid is not it. He is not. He played at BYU. He he was more of a he was more of a guy that you know that had great throws when he was under pressure outside the pocket. He doesn't run 
you know, great offense from inside the pocket, running regular offense. He got uh, mostly his big plays from scrambling right. and, 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 you know, improv, you know, improvisation. You can't run an offense like that. And and, and we found that out with Jalen uh, at the beginning of the year. You know, we run these read options. Well, you know, I mean, RPOs, when you look at it, teams understood how to take the runaway and the pass away. So it becomes improv after that, you know. So he couldn't go out there and, and have a successful offense with improving all the time. You have to run the offense within the within the framework of what the way the play is supposed to be run. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I hear you. I think he's going to, we're going to get to about 10. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then he, then you're going to see X, Y, and Z haven't been taken yet. Who could be perfect fits who there's, we're all shocked that they're, they're still there. That's when it's going to happen. I, I don't think it's going to happen super early here if you're sitting at 15, but I think once we get about five picks away is when it happens. I can't wait, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, 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 it's going to be, it's going to be one of the most eventful drafts I've, I've been a part of, man, just because, I mean, we started out with three first-round picks. Three first-round picks heading into this offseason. Off we had, you know, guaranteed that we were going to get a first-rounder from Indianapolis, even though, you know, they didn't make it to the playoffs. We still got a first-round pick. And he's gone. He's gone already. And he, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, we had, the, you know, the pick from the Dolphins, and we got our pick from this year. And we were ready to go. I, I was satisfied with that. You know, we didn't go into free agency and, and do any big moves, but I was still hopeful off the three picks that we had in the first round. Yeah, but you know what? Howie said something earlier this year that turned out to be so profound. I said, you know what? It makes sense when he was talking about how, how having three first-round picks may not be beneficial to this organization because one or two of them could be sitting behind somebody. Mm-hmm. So do you want to invest that trying to that kind of capital to a guy who can't play right away and not get the reps that he needs to get, you know, because he's sitting behind a pro bowler or somebody like that waiting his turn. So when he said that, I'm thinking he's going to make some kind of move. And sure enough, you know, he moved one of those first round picks. So it makes sense when you have three first round picks, it doesn't necessarily mean all three of these guys are going to get on the field at the same time. Right. You know, right, now we right. know they have we know they have a dire need at cornerback. We know they have a dire they they have a need at edge rusher. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the guys in front of them, how much time would they get on the field as an edge rusher? Do they need another D tackle although that position is stacked? Well, yeah, when you consider this could be Fletcher Cox's last year in an Eagles uniform, but oh, how much is that D tackle? Either. Yeah. Not just Fletcher either. Javon Hargrave could yes. be. Yes. It, it could be his last year. So how much, you know, you got young Milton Williams, you got two guys who are making big money in the trenches. How much would that first round D tackle get on the field? That's a good point. Learning curve, well, you know? uh, does that apply to linebacker too? I mean, you went out, you got white from, from the chargers. Yep. Uh, Hassan Reddick, I know he's a hybrid, but you know, in some spots he could be considered right. a linebacker. Does right. that mean that my wish, my, my statement that I threw out there after a couple of cups of linebacker, does that mean there's no chance of that happening? I mean, that's well, really what you, you have to look at because he, how he right. did say that, Derek. And I, and I, and I for a minute, I'm like, hmm, is he telling us something here? Well, yeah, you're right. But I mean, it, and that's why I've kind of backed off the linebacker thing because before, before Davion Taylor got hurt, he showed signs that he was really starting to get it. Things were starting to develop in front of him. He started playing the game faster. Um, he stopped overrunning things. He started reacting and, and, and playing at a high at a high level. 
and then he got hurt. I don't know how much that's going to, you know, cause him to regress. Um, of course, TJ Edwards, they signed him to a two-year deal. So next year and the year after next, he's going to be here. And we all know once he started playing well, that defense really turned the corner. And he showed it's not just foot speed yeah. and what you can make plays. You can make plays just by reading, diagnosing, and understanding how to play the game. And that came with study. So TJ Edwards got, you know, got into the mix. We know Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick's going to be – um, like what was the kid we got from um from 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 the Browns? Um, he's not on the squad this year. What was his name? Oh, I forget his name. Gerard so, Avery. Gerard, yeah, Avery. Now Avery, he was that hybrid linebacker slash defensive end that Hassan Reddick. And you know he played a lot. You know a lot of teams, and he said a lot of teams now are going to a a four two set, whereas two linebackers and four right. defensive linemen. Right. Will he be one of the forty of his linemen? Is he going to? Are they going to pay him that much money to be a rush in and not yeah. be a linebacker? Because I don't know if you're going to keep um, keep him on the, on the field as a stand up linebacker. You know, he didn't. You know, I didn't see much production from him being a stand up linebacker. But I know he has some skills that he can't do it. But I mean, mm-hmm. which two linebackers you're going to keep in the game? Davion Taylor is the perfect guy for that type of defense because he's fast, he can run, and you know he's starting to learn the system. You take Edwards off the field, now you got Kasir White and Davion Taylor. I think yep. they like that mix of guys. You know what I mean? So that's why I kind of leaned away from the linebacker position because they went out and got two linebackers. And the the pass rushers, I don't know if they go with a pass rusher on the outside simply because look who they have there right now. Um, they, they gave, you know, what's his name, big money. I mean, huge money to, to, to go. Josh Sweat, huge money to play. Josh Sweat's shown the ability to go out there. He was their leading sack getter last year. And then you look at the rest of their roster. They got Derek Burnett brought him back. Um, Teron Jackson, they like what he does off the edge. I like what he right. does off the edge. Number right. 75. Right. Right. He showed flashes. You got to play these guys. You got to play so, them. So, I mean, the most, to me, it started to look more logical to me that we got to go cornerback. And if you're going to go quarterback, you might have to go and trade up to yeah. get a cornerback. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, other than – Stingley or Sauce Ta- uh, Gardner? Who you? Who would you? Uh, the other guys Andrew will be Booth. there. Like I think Booth would be there, don't you? Yes, Andrew I don't think Booth. you have to move up. Yeah, and I like Andrew mm. Booth better than I like Derek Stingley right now. He's aggressive. Mm. I worry about Stingley with the injuries, man. Yeah, exactly. You know, and you know, he's done nothing the last two years. Booth has played. He's bald. He has that enthusiasm that you want. He has the cover skills that you want. He can play man to man. He can play zone. Mm-hmm. He's explosive, has size to him. He could he could he could he could cover a number one and number two receiver. He'd be the yin to the yang of, of, of Darius Slay out there. He is that good. And I challenge people to challenge me on it. Watch some film. Go to YouTube and watch some film on Booth and see how good this cat is. He is the truth. And then they got what's his name? McDuffie from a Washington. Trent McDuffie. T-Rex. I can't see. I, I you killed me with that, man. I I can't Kelly keep it out of my head now. That's all I think about is Kelly Clarkson right now. When I think of Duffy, man, he'll be ever forever tied in my head. That's why I'm here. <laughs> but he's gonna be there, and if they pick him up, he'll be there. Now I'm not gonna take anything away from him. He can ball, man. I mean, although I saw him have a hard time, a very very hard time against uh, Montana, the Montana Grizzlies. They beat. Washington. They beat up on Washington too. Right. That doesn't make and, you feel good, right? And they, those receivers were killing them. No. I mean, killing them. They were killing the whole secondary. They beat them up, man. So that's why when they say McDuffie, like that's not the same guy. 
That's the same guy I just watched when I did the um when I did the uh Montana game. So Barrett, where where you're headed with this is you think they may not go edge rusher or interior D line. You think they may go secondary here. I 15. think they may go secondary and I think they may go receiver. The more and more I think about it. And I think so they 15, 15 corner, 18 receiver? Yes. I, I do believe that. Okay. I think corner's the biggest need that they have. The biggest need right now is the cornerback position. What, what about wide receiver? Don't overlook wide receiver. That's 1A. It's 1A. They, 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 they need the pass catchers bad, man. Absolutely. You can't go into this season with the same collection of pass catchers you no. had in 2021 and expect, uh, you know, extreme improvement in the passing game. You can't. There's Ooh, too many question marks. Yeah, outside, outside of um, Devonta Smith and, and your tight end, there's too many question marks in the pass catching game. Uh, Derek, I'm with you. And you know what I hear a lot from people? And, and I'm not even knocking them necessarily, but right. Quez Watkins hasn't done nearly enough for the amount of love that he gets and benefit of the doubt he gets from people. Like I hear a lot of people say, Hey, you're fine. Just, just plug in Quez Watkins at the second spot. I'm like, right, right. really? Yeah. I, I have, been all last year. Yeah. I, I don't see nearly enough to say that guy's a number two in the NFL. Look at how many teams have two absolute beasts, maybe three. Dallas are nowhere near that. Dallas, I've, you look but, at but, the but, Giants also. Yeah. But, but see, when, when we talk about a Quez Watkins, was it him not producing? And, and, or the quarterback. Yeah, or the quarterback. Or I remember the quarterback you said that two days ago. Yeah. And then you made or a great example. A great example was um, the last game, the, 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 um, the playoff game. The Tampa. Where, yeah, Tampa. Tampa, where yeah. Quez Watson was running wide ass open. Wide open. <laughs> and what yeah. was the quarterback doing? The quarterback, because Todd Bowles stacked the line of scrimmage and they came after Jalen Hurts all day, Jalen Hurts was doing this too much the whole yeah. game. Oh, He's no missing question. people wide open down the field. So well, I don't De- know. Devontae was open a lot, too. Yes. So I, I don't know what Quez Watkins – we know he can stress the field. You know, okay, he had a few drops. What receiver doesn't drop the ball occasionally? Right, right, okay. right. Okay. Now, unless your name is, you know, DeAndre Hawkins, which – Or Heinz Ward. Or Heinz Ward. I think this dude's got stick him on his finger. He was born with stick him on his hand. Because De- DeAndre Hawkins doesn't drop nothing. He ain't Bro, dropping I, nothing. I watched Heinz Ward – Go an entire, no, I'm not gonna say an entire. Uh, it was it was two weeks before the season um, ended, where Heinz Ward did not drop a pass the entire season for 14 weeks. He didn't drop a pass in practice. That's no pass. Wild. He didn't drop one pass in practice. Amazing. And the pass that he did drop was a pass that they were doing nine on seven, and Ben threw him a half ass ball. Mm. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. All right, let's get a timeout. Let's come back. Let's talk to Les Bowen. Let's keep this draft talk rolling. A little later, we'll get into the Sixers. We'll get into the Phillies. Rich Hoffman Jr. is going to join us. Anthony Beck's going to join us. But we come back, Les Bowen cover the Eagles and continues to, by the way, has covered the Eagles for a very, very long time. Derek Gunn, Barrett Brooks, Rob Ellis, Sports Take, Jacob Meaty, YouTube Network. It's the biggest, most important draft in the history of this Philadelphia football franchise. The Jacob Media Sports 2022 NFL Draft Special. Live on 6ABC.com from the Ocean Casino and Resort in Atlantic City. Presented by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles, IBEW Local 98, Stateside Vodka, United Healthcare, Mesa Law, 6ABC, and Budweiser, the official beer of the Philly sports fan. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. 
go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want or don't. Go for him, go for her, go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to look at fake a mama. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Sports Day, welcome in, everybody. You've been hanging with us. We appreciate it. Just hopping on. Good to see you. Good to hang with you. Derek Gunn, Barrett Brooks, Rob Ellis, Jacob Eady, YouTube Network. And our next guest has done an unbelievable job of covering the Eagles for a long time. Les, when did you get on the Eagles hey. on the Flyers? First off, happy, happy to have you with us, Les. Appreciate it. Good to see you. It was 1853, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, it was 2002. It was 2002. Okay. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's been 20 years. Yes. Amazing. And Les wow. still, uh, still writing as well and, and still keeping a very close eye on things. Very good Twitter follow as well. So, Les, I'll start with this. And I, I like to pose this to our guests that we haven't spoken with before. Your gut, right, as we sit here now getting mm -hmm. closer, thank God. It's tomorrow. Yes, but yes. At, at 15 and 18, what's your gut telling you in terms of a possible move up, move down with a guy like Howie who's can be aggressive and unpredictable at times? Well, this time around, I really have no inside information whatsoever. Sometimes I have a little bit, but I haven't, you know, uh, this year, no. I like, from what I hear about this draft, a lot of people say there may be a dozen or a little more than a dozen real difference makers. 
in this draft. Not good. You know, there are a lot of good players, but real guys that are going to start right away and make a difference in your team. For that reason, I would try to move up from 15, you know, Mm -hmm. at least into the top 12. And you can't, you know, you don't have to move up to the top five or anything. It's not that expensive to move from 15 to 12 or 11 or 10. Mm -hmm. The problem is, do the teams there want to deal with, you know, want to move back? Uh, And then with 18, I'd think about moving back because I'm not Mm. sure that the guy at 18 you're going to get is any better than the guy you're going to get at 30, really. Mm. Uh, And they might both be good players. You know, it is supposed to be a pretty deep draft. Um, And you could probably recoup whatever you spend to go from 15 to 12 by moving back from 18 to to late in the round. Theoretically, Mm -hmm. you have to have other teams that are interested in doing all this stuff, I guess. Interesting. Yeah. Where yeah, you I, are. I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, back. I was say, where are you at as far as you know the biggest need for the birds at this point? Oh boy, well for me it would be corner, but I know you know I went into last year's draft thinking that was their biggest need. The you know, the round, one right? thing I was really amazed by last year is we got through the the to the third day of the draft before they took a corner. Mm. And it turned out to be a guy that has some potential, Zach McPherson in the fourth round. But he wasn't like, you know, Patrick Sertain or J.C. Horn or, you know, that's kind of what I was expecting last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I have no faith whatsoever that they feel the way I feel. But I would sure try to get, you know, if you could trade up to a position where you could get Sauce Gardner or Derek Stingley uh, Jr., for one thing, I'd love to revisit uh, Derek Stingley's dad was a Phillies prospect in the early 90s. And mm. the Daily News sent me to Albany, Georgia mm. <laughs> to watch the Albany Polecats play a series against the uh, Spartanburg single A team that uh, Derek Stingley Sr. played for. And I wrote a huge feature about this guy. I talked to his dad, Daryl Stingley, who, of course, was a uh, an NFL wide receiver who was paralyzed on the hit uh, from Jack Tatum. So that'd be a heck of a story if they ended up with Derek Stingley Jr. But, uh, you know, um, as far as what they're going to do, I think edge rusher def- and wide receiver, the edge rusher is always a good bet with the Eagles. If you look at them over the years and the, and the high picks they've spent on edge rushers. However, this is such a good edge rusher draft that maybe you're thinking you get a good edge rusher in the second round. I don't, you know, you you don't have to get one uh, in the top 15. I don't think for him to be a pretty good player. So I like, you know, edge rusher, wide receiver corner. Those are my priorities. I'll be shocked if they take an offensive lineman this year early or, uh, you know, they could take a defensive tackle, you know, the guy from Georgia, but, uh, you know, I don't see – I mean, Kyle Hamilton's not going to get to them unless they trade up, and they have never drafted a safety in the first round. So those are kind of my parameters right there. Hey, Les, first of all, good to see you again. It's been a while since we've had a time to chat, man. I miss I miss yes. our conversations. Um, secondly, you know, uh, not just in our chat line here, but, uh, you know, when you look at social media platform in general, so many people are, are basically waiting for Howie – to fail again this draft, <laughs> but, but based on 
what he accomplished in 2021, shouldn't we give him the benefit of the doubt before we even start to critique what he hasn't done yet uh, tomorrow? Well, sure. I mean, it, that, that's pointless. I mean, he is the general manager. He's going to make the picks. Right, right. You know, saying that he's terrible at it and stuff like that isn't productive in any way. And he isn't terrible at it. He's, he, he has a very mixed record at it, I would say. And there have right. been years where they have stuck to their board and the scouts, like last year, which was a very good draft. And there have been years when they've kind of gone off and done things that made the scouts uh, shake their heads a little bit. And then there have been years when stuff happened that was kind of nobody's fault. Like the one, one of the I really – there sticks in my mind. I was in Nashville in 2019 <laughs> for the year they drafted Andre Dillard. Mm. And Andre Dillard was – you look at anybody's mock from that year, or any of the draft ratings, top 10 pick, you know, top 15 at the worst. And he dropped, and they jumped up to 19 or 22 to get him. And, you know, it wasn't a great pick. I mean, Andre Dillard is still going to play in the league, I think, and be a starter somewhere, maybe here, who knows. But it wasn't what they hoped. Uh, and, frankly, they hadn't done the work on Andre Dillard because they never thought they would have a chance to draft him in the first round. Right. They After the fact, they kind of talked about this phone conversation he'd had with Jeff Stoutland, but they didn't bring him into NovaCare. He wasn't a top 30 visit, you know, and they really hadn't dug too deep. If you talk to, like, the first training camp, Derek, I think you might remember this, Andre's uh, coaches, high school coaches from Washington mm -hmm. State came to camp, Yep. and I was talking to them, and they had this really funny – at the time, it was a funny story about how Andre had been a basketball player and didn't want to play football. And when they finally got him to go out for football his sophomore year or freshman year, he did really well. And he was thinking he was going to be on the JV. And they told him, no, no, you're going to be on the varsity. And he was like, whoa, I, the varsity? Oh, my God. You know. And so to make him feel more secure, they got the leaders of the team to have like a special presentation in the locker room of his varsity jersey to make him feel confident that he could play for the varsity. Well, if the guy's tearing it up, that's a funny story. If the guy shows no confidence and is easily frustrated and, you know, you wonder how much he really loves football, that's not such a funny story. <laughs> right, right. It's kind of been like me, you know. And that's the kind of thing yeah. that the Eagles yeah. like to know and often do know. They send their security director, Dom DeSandro, in mm -hmm. addition to a bunch of scouts, out to the communities to find out this stuff. Except with Andre Dillard, they didn't know that. Mm. That's pretty fascinating stuff. That, that, that is good insight there, Les. So I, I guess uh, the question just off of that. Mm -mm. Howie, we know, can tend to bounce back. We, you know, when it happened with Chip Kelly, yes. you know, and he came back stronger, and they won a Super Bowl. Let, maybe a, a couple of bad drafts, maybe it woke him up a little bit. And, and you know, you're coming off a good one last year. I just think it's really tough to gauge, you know, when it comes to yes. that situation. Mm -hmm. It really is, and I honestly think last year they know they had the right process. You know, they they stuck to the board. I guess my biggest concern this year is they've lost two key 
front office personnel executives already uh, to Ian Cunningham to the Bears and uh, and and Brandon uh, Brown to the Giants. And there's a lot of talk that Andy Weidel, the only other top executive in the personnel department, is going to be going to the Steelers after the draft as their general mm-hmm. manager. So do we have the kind of board we had last year you know is it as well vetted and is uh you know uh great sourced as last year's board was i guess that would be my biggest concern i kind of think how he knows now where a lot of the landmines are Mm. when it comes to drafting interesting well Mm. you look at you look at last year and and obviously yet you went at it from a unique perspective less after covering the team up close and personal for so long but What's your sense of a couple different things? Let's start with Nick Sirianni. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, a guy who who they dug out of a big hole early, to yeah. his credit. They got in the playoffs in his first year. That's not an easy thing to do as an NFL head coach, no matter how many teams are getting in now. But there was also there's also still a lot up there where you say to yourself, I, hmm, I don't really know here. What do you think about Sirianni? Well, I think he motivates players pretty well. I think they respond to his enthusiasm and his diligence. And, uh, you know, I think he builds them up, which a good coach does. You know, he he cares about them. He looks for ways to help them succeed. I, I think everybody gets that. Uh, I don't know. I, I think Sirianni, what happens with Jalen Hurts is going to have a lot to do with how Sirianni is perceived. If Jalen Hurts treads water or goes backwards this year, the team is going to tread water or go backwards this mm-hmm. year. If Jalen Hurts' hard work and, you know, diligence and toughness and all that stuff that he has somehow lets him become, you know, a top 10 type quarterback and they make the playoffs with a real chance to win a game or two this year, then, you know, Sirianni's set. I mean, he's a genius at that point. Uh, but I still think it's hard for me to shake the feeling that with Sirianni and with some of his top assistants, that these are guys that were fetching coffee 10 years ago in the NFL. They were not, you know, it's not like he was the offensive coordinator who did this and that somewhere, you know, and that's not fair because, you know, Andy Reid was a very low level assistant. Right. Uh, for a long time before he had actually become the quarterback's coach of the Packers before the Eagles got him. But, you know, that's not fair, but it's something I think about is that you're, you're not dealing with a depth of NFL experience with these guys in terms of their coaching backgrounds and and especially Nick. And, and I do still have some questions, I guess is a long rambling answer to your question, but I like the guy. I think yeah. he's smart. I think he's a good person. I think he's, you know, he has the tools to become a really good coach. Hey, let, let, yeah, Les, let me, yes. let, Les, now that you mentioned uh, Nick Sirianni, then let me follow up with this because a quarterback is tied to a head coach's hip. Success or failure, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. And there's so many people right now that are indifferent on Jalen Hurts moving forward. Where do you stand on Jalen Hurts? Has the sample size been too small to really determine what he is or isn't? Or do you have a good sense from your own perspective of, you know, Jalen Hurts can improve significantly or maybe we've, maybe he's right at that ceiling of his potential. 
you know, I'm not enough of a quarterback whisperer to really say definitively yeah. one way or the other. I would like to be pleasantly surprised, I think, by Jalen Hurts. We've seen, you know, the, the people that say we haven't seen nearly enough, uh, we've seen a pretty good bit, you know. We've mm-hmm. seen more than they think we've seen. And there have been some times when it just hasn't, you know, there's things in terms of recognition and going through progressions and making tight throws that yep. haven't been there. Does that mean they can't possibly be there? I hope that's not the case because I like the guy. Tremendous person, leader, you know, everything you'd want in a quarterback off the field. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice if he could develop all that stuff, but I don't know that I've seen it a whole lot in the NFL. Mm. And I, he's going to have to prove it to me. You know, I I don't have a problem with them going in this position they're in where they're almost certainly not going to win the Super Bowl this year regardless. Right. I don't have a problem with them giving him a year to really, you know, nail down uh, what he can do. But if they could have gotten Russell Wilson this offseason, I think that would have been really nice. (laughs) Uh, That's kind of where I am. Les, I haven't had a chance to talk to you about this, not to completely veer off from the Eagles. We will get it back. But you look at Carson Wentz, who's now a Washington commander. What One of my heck? favorite subjects, Rob. What the heck happened, man? <laughs> you know, my best stab at that is the Super Bowl. You know, at the time, coaches praised Carson for the way he handled all of that stuff with Nick winning the Super Bowl. But I think the way Carson handled it publicly and the way he felt inside about it were two very different things. I think his whole concept of the situation and who he was and a lot of things just totally shifted right then. He became very uptight, very defensive, uh, and that's just carried on. He became very stubborn in his ways, which I don't, I don't know if he was like that as a young player. I don't really think he was. But it's it's followed him, you know, through the sort of the the guy that won all those games in 2017 was was brash. And, you know, he could. Well, physically, we was a different guy, too. That's that's a part of it. Mm -hmm. Physically, the things I remember from 2017 are, you know, the pass rush would get to him and he would stiff arm a guy and spin off Mm -hmm. of him and throw a ball 40 yards down the field. You don't ever see that anymore. Mm -hmm. If they're there, they're getting him. And he's really jittery in the pocket now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's not like he can really buy time the way he used to. It's just like he's really bothered. He's looking around for the guy that's going to hurt him, Mm -hmm. you know. And that happens. It happened to Brett Favre late in his career, I thought. You know, that happens to quarterbacks. Uh, Brett Favre threw an interception in that fourth and 26 game that allowed the Eagles to kick the winning field goal because he didn't want to get hit. Yeah. You know, uh, I think Carson is kind of at that point, And I think he just, for whatever, the part that mystifies me is he's smart. He was an honor student all the way through college. He's got to know that there are things he could work on 
I mean, it's not just a few people saying this. There are things he could work on that could put him back in that top 10 category, probably, even though he isn't physically what he was in 2017, he could still be, he still has that arm. Mm -hmm. He's still, you know, he's still tall and, you know, all that good stuff. Um, I, he just won't do it and he wouldn't do it for Indianapolis. First thing he did when he got there was refuse to get vaccinated when the owner was kind of making that a, you know, something that he wanted him to set an example for, for the rest of the team. How can you not see that when you're coming out of one situation where you were not perceived to be the right kind of leader, that when you go to another situation and the owner wants you to do something to show leadership and you say, oh, that's not really the right thing for me, that 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 was the wrong foot to get. And I think that's more than what happened at the end of the season. I think Ursay got down on him as a person, Mm -hmm. you know, just because of stuff like that. So that's a long answer. Can he be successful in Washington? I guess. I mean, third chances, I don't know what, you know, what the percentages are on those. Um, he'll have Terry McLaurin, uh, good coach and Ron Rivera. But unless he really sees the light on some things, I, I don't think he'll ever be what we thought he was going to be. And I've never been more wrong about a player in my yeah. entire career. Me too. I was saying. To the two, I was, I was, I was ringing the bell, Carson mm-hmm. this, Carson that, but uh, I learned, so I'm not gonna get caught up in the same situation with uh, with Gannon, you know, as far as you know him being the defensive coordinator yeah. and understanding. All right, this is a great draft for defense, and I think they are going the right defensive positions. You know, I think they are gonna go defense, but even if you give him all this that, that they have right now, I saw two different coordinators when I watched him when mm-hmm. he had a a a, a, a bad or average quarterback he was more aggressive when he had the top quarterbacks he became too passive in how he called things you think if he got you know first round corner first round um edge rush or whatever does he have the capacity to call a more aggressive game uh, than is has he been called mm-hmm. boy that's a, that's a good question Barrett. uh I don't know. I mean, you're absolutely right. When against really good quarterbacks, they just sat back and got killed. Yep. And I don't really understand it. I don't know him well enough yet to with with COVID, we haven't never had chances with these guys since they were hired to really just sort of sit down one on one or or even twelve on one off the record, you know, and kind of feel them out. It's all press conferences. And from his press conferences, I think he's a smart guy, but a lot of smart guys have very uh, rigid opinions about things that they're wrong about. And uh, I don't know. I mean, the fact that other teams like him, I mean, they really do. Right. Uh, tells me <laughs> that he he is someone who's taken seriously in the league. But, you know, I, I, I see what you see. They could draft – a top press type corner and then try to make him a zone corner or some, you know, ridiculous nonsense like that. Uh, I kind of liked Jim Schwartz in some ways. I thought at times Jim Schwartz did a lot with a little in terms of talent. Yeah. But when you see a guy like Rasul Douglas (laughs) go to a different scheme (laughs) and become the leading, the interceptions leader in the national football league, 
it really just makes you want to hit your head against the wall, you know. <laughs> there were three of his guys, you know, Mills and um and, and uh, the kid from uh, from Washington. I mean, he went yeah, to Sydney Jones. Jones. He, 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 Jones. Loved, he yeah. loved Mills. He he would never give Douglas a chance, man. No, he, he just, wouldn't at all. Yep. Yeah. It, it it was crazy. Hey, Les, we were we were talking earlier in the show before you got on. We were taking a trip down memory lane about the rigors of what training camp used to be yeah. back in the early two thousands compared to what it is today. And I basically brought up the point. I think training camp today are more detrimental than helpful to players getting their bodies ready for the rigors of a now seventeen game season. Do you feel the same way? And Barrett brought up how the soft tissue injuries, in particular, have really gone through the roof over the last couple of years because yeah. basically I think training camps are, are a joke now compared to what we're what we were accustomed to watching back in the early and mid 2000s well so much has changed you know these guys the the guys that are serious about it work with trainers year-round and you know measuring their body fat in March and you know stuff like that <laughs> it's not like it used to be that's a Derek does uh, exactly yeah. hey and and really, the Eagles, the Eagles have one of the uh, least uh, uh, stressful or uh, rigid off-season programs in the NFL in terms of the time they're going to spend on the field this spring. You know, that time is valuable to like rookies and second-year guys because they have to learn what the hell's going on and who these guys are around them and all that. Mm-hmm. But for Brandon Graham and, you know, Jason Kelsey, let them go home. You know, yeah. uh, I mean, you can't because you have to have somebody to teach these young guys. But, yeah, I, I think training camp is largely a waste of time for veterans who aren't changing schemes, mm-hmm. you know. And there has to be a way, especially now that you're playing a 17-game season. They have whittled the exhibition season down a little bit. I think you could go with one game and a bunch of, you know, practices against another team uh, and and shorten the whole thing down by a couple weeks and really have fewer injuries. Hmm. And the Eagles had decent injury luck last year, by the way. Yeah. By well, doing yeah. things a little less, you know, strenuously. No doubt. No doubt. So, Les, how was uh, being able to take a step back? Uh, from from the, the craziness for for all those years how was the past uh year or so you know i've enjoyed it rob uh it's it's a little bit you know you're used to a routine and mm-hmm. uh you're out of that routine and it's kind of odd in that way and i have looked for like right now i'm doing eagles columns a couple times a week for nj.com right. last year i did some work for the associated press uh, I've looked for ways to kind of keep my hand in so it won't be so abrupt and so that I won't lose track and lose touch with things, you know, but I really don't want to work five or six days a week anymore. You know, I'm 66. How can I, be uh, I was a beat writer, <laughs> you know, beat writing is exhausting and right. I did it 13 yeah. years on the Flyers and then 19 years on the Eagles. And that was enough, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I like writing columns. Uh, I don't like, you know, I'm not all the agents now are like the, my kids ages. And I don't want to call some 30 year old agent and beg him for contract details mm-hmm. anymore. You know, mm-hmm. I just uh, that part of it I'm done with, but I'll still like writing and I still like, you know, analyzing what's going on. And uh, 
I've been very fortunate in that I've been given opportunities to do that, you know, and it's uh, I appreciate them very much because it would be very easy once I retired from the Inquirer for people to just sort of forget that I was ever around. So <laughs> I'm very, very happy that that hasn't happened. No. So, so, so Les, when, when you're away from your occasional writings and columns, what do you do? What do you do with all your free time? I, well, I'm, I've tried to get back into running. Uh, okay. My knees are terrible. I can't really run. I run like a little old man, you know, but I am a little <laughs> old man. So there's that. Uh, <laughs> We have a we have this dog who's like a rescue pit bull from Kensington, and she's a handful. Um, and we're actually doing some training now. She's very aggressive to other dogs, not to people. But mm-hmm. she thinks basically if you see a dog, you're supposed to fight, and that's kind of you know not a good thing. So we're doing a lot of work with that. I have two sons, one in Denver, one in Baltimore. I wrote a piece for the Inquirer back in November about going to the Eagles Broncos game with my sons and sitting in the stands for the first time ever hmm. with my yeah. kids, you know, yeah. watching an Eagles game. And uh, that was fun. Uh, I, as you know, I'm from Charlotte. My mom's yep. 96. Uh, I get down there once a month or so, you know, uh, I'm, I'm finding ways to, to occupy my time. Good, good. Well, it's good to hear. It's good to, good to talk some football with you, Les. And, and yeah, you can follow Les at Les Bowen on Twitter and, Keep up the good work, Les. We, we love checking out NG.com and all and the other outlets. But we Hey, thanks. It. I'm going to have a thing in a few days they're going to put up. I just, I'm writing it right now. I'm almost done with it. I, I talked to Brandon Graham about, you know, he's the longest tenured Eagle now. And that 2010 draft and his memories of that night and everything that's gone since then. I mean, his story is an amazing, you, you know, all the twists and turns of it. Sure. Yep. Why aren't you Earl Thomas and, mm-hmm. you know, Chip Kelly and all the stuff that's happened to Brandon uh, over the years to become like the grizzled old uh, franchise icon that even five years ago, I don't think anybody mm-hmm. foresaw him becoming. So, no. you know, look for that. It'll all be right. up there. Excellent. Les, appreciate it. Listen, appreciate enjoy, it, enjoy semi-retired yeah, life, but keep up the good work. Appreciate it. Well, it's good to see all you guys. I hope you do Likewise. very well with this. Thank, Thank you, man. Good talking to you, Les. Bro. All right. Class act right there, Les. Ball. Yeah, it is. Right. Guys, let's take a time out. Let's, um, so we're going to be joined, as I mentioned a little bit later, Anthony Beck's going to hop on at 2.30. We'll talk draft and, and all kinds of stuff with Anthony, who follows the pro game and the college game very closely, but 11 years in the NFL, was a college football analyst for a long time and is now taking over as a head coach for the XFL. Rich Hoffman at 2 o'clock. We'll talk some Sixers. There was an interesting quote, which we'll delve into when we get back, but we'll also talk to Rich about, from Doc Rivers on his tendency for his teams to blow leads in the mm. playoffs. He addressed it today. All right? So we'll oh, talk about he? that. He did. We'll, we'll get into the Sixers when we get back. We'll get into some Phillies who look like they may have, have found some footing here. We'll do that as well. Barrett Brooks, Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis, Sports Take, Jacob Media, YouTube Network. It's the biggest, most important draft in the history of this Philadelphia football franchise. The Jacob Media Sports 2022 NFL Draft Special. Live on 6ABC.com from the Ocean Casino and Resort in Atlantic City. Presented by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles, IBEW Local 98, Stateside Vodka, United Healthcare, Mesa Law, 6ABC, and Budweiser, the official beer of the Philly sports fan. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. 
Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really. Don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake a mama. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Monday, Monday, Monday's coming up soon, but it's Wednesday. We don't care about Monday. We care about Wednesday and we care about Thursday because Thursday is a big, big sporting day. Not only do we have the NFL draft and our full coverage will be with you from 12 to 3 and then 8 till the first round is, is over with our draft extravaganza. Um, but we also have the Sixers. The Sixers will play at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. All right, so we all know, guys, the Doc Rivers – has lost seven of his last eight opportunities to close out series. On top of that, he's 3-11 and 11 just in general. That dates back to 15 uh, in general, and he's blown a couple of 3-1 leads. So let me read this quote because he was asked about this, okay? He says, quote, Well, it's easy to use me as an example, but I wish you would all tell the whole story with me. My Orlando team was the eighth seed. No one gives me credit for getting up against the Pistons, who won the title. That was an eight seed. Go look at the, I want you to go back and look at that roster. I dare you to go back and look at that roster. And you would say, what a hell of a coaching job. Really? And then he goes on to say the Clipper team that we lost that we were up three, one Chris Paul didn't play in the first two games and then was playing on one leg. We didn't have home court. And then the last one, 
to me, that's the one we blew. That's the one I said we blew that. And that was in the bubble, and anything can happen in the bubble. There's no home court. Game seven would have been in L.A., but it just happened. So I would say with me, some of this is just we got we got to do better always. Always take my own responsibility, and then some of it is circumstances that happen. This one, let's win it, and we don't have to talk about it, meaning the Sixers. So there's the quote from Doc Rivers. Your thoughts, guys? I, my thoughts. My, see, that's I. I shouldn't even have to be talking about this. You know, I, why, why, why go back and say that? Just, just take it on the chin. Be like, look, man, we're not talking about then. We're, let's let's talk about now. We're gonna get through this series. We're gonna beat this team tomorrow night. Just put your money on that. We're gonna beat this thing tomorrow. I'd rather have more respect for him if he said that. Well, um, I could have been a. A, a pretty good host. If I'd uh, if I'd not listen to D Gun a little bit, and listen. If more you had listened to me, D Good, D Gun more. <laughs> but I'm just saying, come on, man. I, I hate why. Why well, the one? Why? The one, he, Derek. He says, "Well, I didn't have Chris Paul for the first two games." Okay, but you were up three one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I'll give him this one. I'll give him when he was in Orlando because that Piston team was a monster. Yeah. I'll give him that one. All right. But the other ones. I can't give him that. I mean, come on, man. Like, Barry you know what, man? You just need to suck it up. Hey, it didn't happen. Suck yeah. it up. Because when you put that out there, now you're giving all the critics and all your doubters more ammunition to attack you. So if you lose that game tomorrow night, game six in Toronto, which we all expect now, the way Toronto's playing, we all expect it to come back to Philadelphia for a seventh and deciding game. You've just given all your doubters out there more ammunition to attack you from the outside looking in. For whatever the case may be, we all know Joel has the thumb that's going to have to have surgery uh, when the season is all said and done. We all agree that James Harden is not the same player he was. He does not have the burst anymore like he used to. He's not getting the calls on the drives like he used to. You know, on, on the on, on the fake, you know, the fake theatrics when he throws his hand up. Toronto's found a way when he penetrates, they're slapping the ball away from him. So he's not so you know, we not an excuse, it is what it is. I mean, you can look at Toronto, you know, Van Van Fleet, their Pro Bowl, um, you know, their their all-star guard. Uh, he hasn't played because of hip injury. Scotty Barnes playing on one leg because of that sprained ankle. But yet Toronto has found a way to rally around the troops and get it done. And now we're all here sitting here talking about how they were going to, we've gone in a matter of 24 hours of how they're going to sweep the Raptors to now, <laughs> is it possible Doc Rivers can blow another 3 0 or 3 1 lead? Yeah. If I I'm mean, Doc, you suck it up, man. It's and the other thing is, go back to last year. They were up in the series 2 1 against Atlanta, right? Yes. Blew an 18 point lead in game four, blew a yes. 24 point lead in game five at home. I mean, yep. I'm sorry. There's too much of this following Doc Rivers around for it to be a coincidence, for it to be so-and-so was hurt, or we were this, or we were that, we were an eight seed. Come on, man. Like, you're right, Derek. If he just says, yeah, you know what? Uh, you know, take care of this, and we don't have to worry about any of that, whatever. I mean, there's just ways to sidestep it where it's acknowledged, but it's also not like you're making excuses about what happened. It's, it's, like, he's playing, yeah, it's yeah. like he's playing horseshoes or hand grenades. I'm close. I'm close. Yeah. It just didn't yeah, happen. Right. Bro, this is to me, that's crying. This is the most passive-aggressive team I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, they are. And B talks passive-aggressively. I mean, that's my dude, man. Just at, at some point, you know, and I understand, you know, and you, you look at it. I mean, watching the game, it's, it's not hard to break down. All they did was fade on uh, Embiid. 
whenever he had the ball, mm-hmm. everybody just ran to Embiid. They weren't worried about anybody else shooting from the outside, in which we've been saying for the longest time, yeah. nobody shoots from the outside. So we're just going to go in, pack down on Embiid. Embiid's got to make a quick decision. As mm-hmm. soon as he gets the ball, boom, he's going to turn around, face up, and go, or is he going to turn around and shoot the jump? One of the two, because there's going to be three people on him. If he's not going to do that, get the ball, turn around, bring everybody towards him, kick it out, and damn it, who's ever getting the ball – Take the shot, mm-hmm. period. I mean, I, 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 I'm looking at I'm looking at Harden. I'm like, look, Harden. I know you like to drive off the ball and shoot the jumper, or take that step back and shoot the jumper. We'll do it. Yeah. Stop being so uh, laxed. It's, mm-hmm. They played laxed the other night. They mm-hmm. played with no enthusiasm, no effort. In the past two games, that's a travesty. That the past two games that that that, that the Raptors are playing more aggressive. They're playing with more fire. They wanted more than the 76 mm-hmm. period, point blank. And, and we can talk about all this game planning and, you know what I'm saying, double team, kick it out, or as soon as you get it, shoot and, and be this. This team takes on the, the, the mannerisms of their star player. And a bead for the past two games, and that's my dude, mm-hmm. for the past two games has been playing lax, lackadaisical. He is playing without the fire that he had in the first two games. As soon as he gets that fire back, the team's going to feed off him, and he's going to will this team to win because it looks like that's what they're going to have to do. If he doesn't will this team to live, uh, win, this team will not win. I hate to say it. I hate to be a bearer of bad news. What Where this team goes is where Embiid goes because Embiid is the catalyst. I don't care about what Doc Rivers does. Doc, Doc I, so what? I so, until he turns around and says, look, I'm the leader, jump on my back, Harden, take your ass out there and shoot more. Maxie, get the tempo of this game going more. Team, let's play with more aggressiveness. This team will lose. Yeah. Yeah. Barrett, yeah. Go ahead, Derek. Barrett, I said yesterday, I think there's more to this, um, more to this Embiid finger injury than he's letting on. Because when Doc River Doc Rivers said after game five, yeah, there were a couple of balls that, that Embiid normally would go after that he shot away from. That tells me he's thinking about that injury both on both ends of the court a little bit too much. Yes. You, you can't grip the ball. You can't grip the ball the same way when you're trying to shoot that jump shot. It doesn't feel the same when you put it on the on the hardwood to dribble. And then on defense, you got to be careful going up blocking people's shots. Or, you know, getting your hands in there trying to swipe away the ball because you can hit that thumb even more. So you can deaden that thing all you want, but there's still that discomfort in there. It doesn't feel right. And, you know, like I said, I also said, you know, we can blame Doc Rivers all we want. The players play the game. Yep. This this is on the players as much as if not, if more so than Doc Rivers. And, you know, we talk about how, you know, Toronto's second unit gets on the floor and look at how they play compared to the way the Sixers' second unit plays. Because what you just said a moment ago, they wanted it more. Toronto yeah. starters compared to the Sixers starters. It was a, atrocious watching the, the, the Toronto Raptors beat the Sixers off the dribble time and time again Monday night. Ah, da, da. And you got them standing. Once Once the, the, the dribbler got a, a defender on his hip, the defender stopped and just watched them go to the hoop. Exactly. If they, if they collapsed, if, a, if a, a Raptor drove down the paint, and if a couple of Sixers – collapsed on him. Nobody was smart enough to look behind him and realize that Toronto had a guy sneaking down the baseline, easy layup. 
And those same easy plays that the Sixers tried to pull on Toronto, not only were they collapsing on Embiid, but they had guys watching the guys on the wing trying to sneak behind them. Sixers were not getting those easy baskets, and they dared the 76ers to beat them with the three ball from the corner. Sixers couldn't do it like they did the first three games. Yeah, I I, I just think that, Barrett, what you were saying, Embiid, whether it's fair or not, whether he likes it or not, has to understand that he has to be great. And I know there's limitations with the thumb, but that greatness means on both ends. Not only does he have to, you know, get him darn near close to 30, he's got to defend. And his defensive effort was brutal. And I I can't remember in his entire career him playing a worse defensive game than he played the other night. And that's not him. And I don't know if it's just Gunner, the the psychological thing of the thumb, whatever. He's got to be better on that end. But everybody else does have to do their part, too. It's not like he's alone, but he's got to be great. And Harden's got to be a semblance of Harden. He's got to be. He's got to be the catalyst. Where he goes is. I mean, where this team goes is where he goes. And and to be honest, fellas, a lot of the team, like Maxi Harris, those guys are. You know, they're they're playing beyond what I thought they should be playing mm-hmm. right now. So mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're playing above what I thought they were going to play. You know, so I mean, kudos to them. They can give more, but they're giving me more than what I thought they were going to get going into yeah. this playoffs. They weren't doing any of this. You know. Um, a month ago, two months ago. So when I look at Embiid and I look at the rest of the team, well, dag on it, I'm sitting back, man. I'm, a, you know, you know what I'm gonna start doing? I'm gonna start charging a couple of players a ticket because every time they give it to Embiid, they watching the same game I'm watching. Yeah. They need to get their popcorn, get their little Budweiser from. I'm from St. Louis. So I'll give me a little Budweiser <laughs> or drink me a little steak. You know, as soon as I get some, some you know, stateside vodka. As soon as I get some, <laughs> they need to sit next to me. And, and, and watch the game like they watch Embiid sitting there every time he gets the ball. Nobody's moving around. As soon as he gets the ball, everybody just sits there and become spectators instead of getting ready in the shooting position, wait for him to kick the ball out, they're ready to shoot the jumper. That's basic basketball, man. There's no moving. Once Embiid gets the ball, there's no moving and, and running an offense. Everybody's just sitting there. And Tyrese Massey, they're saying, oh, well, you know, um, you know, if he can't generate, you know, points off them, he, he, you know, he's not going to be good. No, he can be good. You got to set yourself up to play. These guys don't set themselves up to play, man. There's no movement when he has the ball. Everybody passes and looks and becomes a spectator. They're not hustling and giving enthusiasm and, and playing the game the way it's supposed to be played. And their fearless leader needs to go out there and dictate tempo. Yeah. Tor- Toronto has gambled the last two games. Yes. With, with how they've changed it and it's worked to their favor. If I'm Doc Rivers, here's my gamble coming up for game six. I'm going to do what Toronto does on defense. I'm going to drop several guys back in the paint when guys start driving the paint yep. to, to help them beat exactly. out, help them believe it. And I dare Toronto to beat me from the outside. <laughs> Toronto, for as good of a three-point shooting team as they were in the regular season, have not been that mm-hmm. stellar from three-point throughout the course of the playoffs. Until Toronto start hitting, starts hitting the, from beyond the arc with you know frequency, I'm going to dare them to beat me from the outside because they're killing you. you know, the you know what else? They're you killing know what else, 56 points in the paint. Mm-hmm. That's killing the team. And you know what else, Derek? When you do that, guess what else it helps out? Yeah. Rebounding. Because yes. as soon as they shoot the ball, yes. nobody goes to rebound. No. You look, no. as soon as they shoot the ball, the Raptors up in the air, boom, yes. kick it and let's go. Yep. They're not rebounding at all. This team is the worst rebounding team in the playoffs right now. Yep. I mean, it's really bad now. It's it's almost ridiculous. It's almost it's a travesty how much they stop rebounding. And that you know yep. what rebounding is? Rebounding is nothing but good old fashioned hard work and effort. 
That's Real all power. rebound. That's all defense is. Yeah. And that's all rebounding is. It's good old fashioned want to. And they don't want to do it. The Raptors want to do it. So when you have enthusiasm, when you have work, when you have effort, two things are going to show up. It's going to show up in your rebounding. It's going to right. show up in your defense. And that's right. exactly what's showing up with this um, with this Raptors team. They're controlling those two aspects because they're just outworking the 76ers. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I, I mean, that's the thing that blew me away the most was you're, you're at on your floor and you can put a team away and they want it more than you. This is a team Toronto at least wanted a couple of years ago. Right. You know, this, the Sixers – it's been all talk. It's been all process, and they yes. want it, and this and that, and making blockbuster moves. For what? You never got past the second round. So the fact that you go out in a situation where you can put a team out of its misery and get your team some rest, and you can't do it, uh, speaks. Look at you know Boston's in Brooklyn, and they put them away. They sweep them out, man. Last right. night, Miami's without Lowry and Jimmy Butler, yep. and they said, you know what, Hawks, goodbye, see you later, and they take care of business. And meanwhile. We're sitting here talking about the possibility of being the first team in 143 <laughs> tries to ever blow a 3-0 lead. It's crazy, bro. It will be a three. It will be. It will blow a 3-0 lead if they don't go out and just play with max effort, max enthusiasm. That's the only thing. I mean, I don't care anything about X's and O's. I don't care anything about shooting percentages. I don't care anything about anything but max effort so there's certain things that your coach you know told me when i started playing ball to control the things you can control control the intangibles number one you control if you're in shape you can control your effort you can control your playbook knowing the playbook you can't control how much you're going to play you can't control what your opponent's going to do you can't control what everybody else in your team is going to do but what you can do is control you so if you're looking yourself in the face and you think you give a max effort, and you look in that mirror and say, "All right, I gave max effort," then kudos to you. I I, I give it to you. I'm not gonna say anything. But none of them cats can say that right now. None of them looking at well, I don't know because I mean Harris is taking his game to another level. He's playing with the intensity we need him to play at. Everything he has, he's been giving us, you know, and everything that uh, Green has been giving us. Yep. I mean, that's just money in a you know bucket. You know what I'm saying? That's just a collection I didn't even think we were gonna get. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If I can get my two, well, my supposedly one and a half superstar, if I can get Harden to give me max effort, I mean, and and and, and if I was to see him man to man face to face, I would just ask, you give him max effort? Or are you BSing me? You know what I'm saying? If he says he's giving max effort, I would, all right, that's good. And then, then maybe you don't need another max contract. Yeah. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That sums it up. That sums it up. Yeah, Rich Hoffman's going to join us at the top of the hour. We'll uh, we'll get the latest from Rich and some of those things that Doc was being questioned about. I, I want to say get some Phillies here before we get to Rich at two. Uh, they win again last night, guys. They've now scored 18 runs in the last two games. They've also been getting really good starting pitching, dating back to Nola on Sunday night when he pitched mm-hmm. well, but they lost one nothing. So, you know, from that standpoint, you look at it. Eflin last night, six innings, two hits, one run, mm-hmm. three strikeouts. They've had 28 straight uh, – he's gone 28 straight starts without walking more than two hitters. That's mm. pretty impressive. Amazing, yes. Yeah, that's pretty impressive right there. Last three games, Nola, Gibson, and Eflin, three runs in 18 and two-thirds innings. They're, they're, that's that's complete – I'll take that, yeah. That's yeah. a complete team right there, and that's, that's right. how you start winning these games. So I'll take that. Appreciate you. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that the the, the the last two games in particular, the bats have started to pop – 
which is what we've been waiting to see. I mean, we knew it was going to come. We didn't know when, but we knew it was going to come. But I'm glad it's starting now. You know, I mean, the Phillies get some people off their backs as well. You know, like I said before, the good thing for the Phillies is you got the 76ers who are spiraling downward right now, and you got the upcoming NFL draft. So a lot of people have been taking some of the heat off the Phillies. But the Phillies are slowly but surely starting to play like we all expected them to coming out of uh, spring training. Still worried about, you know, Bryce Harper admitted, admitted after the game yesterday yeah. that the elbow just isn't right yet. That's why he's still DHing. Uh, you know, he's not out there in right field. Um, but you know what? I still I got to have his bat at the plate. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still waiting for Wheeler uh, to get that arm strength back. You know, uh, Wheeler, you know, he had, a, he had a decent outing last outing. Uh, not the kind of outing we expect from Zach Wheeler. But, you know, the weather's starting to get warmer. Uh, and, and, it's, and I expect this team to start gelling a little bit more in, in all phases of the game. Defense, I hate to say it, but I just think the Phillies defense is going to be not just a job, but an adventure <laughs> every other game. Although Bohm Bohm has played very well on the yes, field for his credit. Yes, he has. He's, he's played very well. Since he made that statement, you know, which to the credit of Philadelphia, the Philadelphia fan base, you know, instead of laying into him, they backed they, yeah. they got out there and backed him. I got to give kudos to the Philadelphia baseball fan base for backing a young player, for making a mistake. You know, but players in general nowadays, I don't care what sport it is, you have to – how do you not understand – there's microphones everywhere. There's camera cameras everywhere. There's audio everywhere. The you mic is always hot. You can't put yourself in a position where you end up saying something that embarrasses yourself, and you have to stand in front of the general public and, and apologize. Because sometimes, depending on what you say, people are not as forgiving as you might think. But in this case, his case, you know, Philly fans is a hey, look, man, we understand. We understand your passion, your intensity. Just go back out there and do better. And Rob, you're right. Ever since that incident, he's been playing much better at third base. Yeah, I, I think he's a, he's an interesting case study because, to his credit, I think his teammates helped him and said, "Dude, get in front of this." But he yeah, owned it, yeah. okay, and he took it like a man. It's the opposite of Ben Simmons. You know, th- this city doesn't want an excuse maker. They don't right. want someone who you know they they just if, if you're gonna if you own up, there's almost always a second chance. Uh, I believe that. I, I think that's a good lesson in life. It just, just yep. be honest. And, yep. Hey, my bad. I, I'll do this to correct it. And, you know, he kept, he put his head down, you know, and, and Joe Girardi sat him down for a couple games. He worked on his fielding constantly prior to games in between whatever. And he's been hitting, even when he wasn't starting, yep. he was coming into yep. the pinch hitter and getting the job done. So, Bohm's a, a real starting to be a really good story for this team. And yeah, Derek, you're right. I mean, is it concerning? Harper throw, has some, you know, goes through some drills yesterday. He said it's still hurting. At least he's still hitting, you know, and he hit again last night. Mm-hmm. But they're getting contributions from up and down this lineup. I mean, you look at it last night, Harper two for four, he had a double. Gregorius comes mm-hmm. back two for three, three runs in RBI. Herrera, who would expect that? Two for four with a home run, three runs driven in. So, they're starting to look like the team we thought they were going to be. That's for sure. And that, that to me is a very encouraging sign in general for where yes, this team's It's encouraging, man. And, and bro, we, we have the roster, man, to, to at least be competitive, man. And, and, and that's all we can ask for. You know, of course, you're going to go up against Atlanta where, you know, their pitching is unbelievable, especially towards the end. Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, they're, their pitching starts bullos and people taking over. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we have some hitters now to, to, to counter that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's almost like we have a Loyola Marymount. We have a Loyola Marymount um, Phillies team. You know what I'm saying? 
but then we have the defensive team, you know, of, of Indiana. You know what I'm saying? That's what, you know, that the forces of nature, you know, are just opposites when it comes to those two teams. Right. Mm-hmm. But at least we have a shot. We're going to outscore people. And, you know, our pitching may not be up, but hey, at least we're going to outscore people. And that's, and that's the way I got to think of it. I got, I got, that's the only way I can stay sane when I'm watching these games is all right, eventually these bats are going to take over. Yeah, no, listen, and I think that's kind of where things are right now. All right, before we get to uh, to Rich, did you guys have you been following this? What's happening in baseball? The, the the pitchers are not allowed to use that tack anymore that they were using. The the rosin bag is different now. Right. They can't they can't you know go to their hats and they're they're get the sweat as much as they used to be able to. It's it's much more limited. And what we're seeing as a result of that is a lot more hitters batters getting hit by pitches hmm. and it happened again last night in the in the Mets the Mets get hit three times Pete Alonso has been hitting the head twice in the last you know week or whatever it is the one broke his helmet and you're hearing more and more of this from from the, the pitchers don't like it and the batters don't like it they would rather a guy be cheating a little bit with some tack and have control where he's not going to hit the batter than what's going on now and baseball so far is just kind of sticking their head in the sand and not addressing this it's going to be fascinating. And they the, the pitchers, by the way, claim the balls are different, too, on top well, of everything else. That's the same thing. And, um, I mean, baseball, they, they just I don't, they just can't get right, man. I mean, say what you want to say. I still think the baseball era is the funnest era, you know, and, and you know, these guys taking these steroids, you know, it changed how I watched the game. It made me a fan. Well, now, it's, you know, now with pitching, if you can't, you know, get your little tar or wax, you know what I'm saying, or whatever it is, you know, get control of the ball. I mean, they're just trying to get the, these guys off. The, I mean, they're crowding the, ba- um, the, mm-hmm. the base. Mm-hmm. So they're crowding, man. Of course they're going to get hit because they don't have a control now that they have with a little extra, you know, gum here or, or you know yep. what I'm saying? I mean, it's just going to happen that way, man. So, I mean, what do you want, you know? I mean, it's almost like, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? What's yeah. comes first, the guy get hit in the head or, you know, the guy not crowding bait? Or would you just allow him just go ahead and do whatever they you need to do, man? I sense that baseball won't make any kind of announcement but the wink, wink, nod, nod, back off some of this. You're absolutely the, right. Yep. And let these guys get back to using some of the stuff that they were using. You know well, they, I mean? But you know what? It also has a lot to do with the, um, with, you know, how these guys, you know, are, 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 are you know, complaining as far as, you know, the no skippers keep complaining. You know, they got to stop complaining so much about, all right, well, why is he touching this? Or why is he taking so yeah. long? To do oh, this? yeah. Leave it alone. Yeah, you can't yeah. have it both ways. Exactly. You can't, you can't have it both ways. Uh, unfortunately, I hate to say this, but I, I think baseball won't take a serious look at this and make a serious adjustments until some player is hit in the head Oof. severely. And you see him laying there sprawled on the ground. He's got to be taken off on a stretcher. You know, you're right, Rob. I think, Rob, right now, I think baseball is just say, okay, you know, we'll look at it. We'll look at it just to blow people off. Yeah. But, I, you know, a lot of times, definitive decisions and stuff like this aren't made until somebody is seriously hurt. And I don't want to see it get to that point, but history has shown in any sport that sometimes a definitive action, it, it, it comes down to a definitive situation getting you definitive actions. Yeah. Well said. Well said. All right. So we roll into the final hour of the program coming up, Rich Hoffman Jr. Who covers the Sixers for the athletic. And then coming up at two 30, we'll have Anthony Beck, Anthony Beck, longtime NFL player analyst, and now a head coach for the XFL. We'll talk a little draft with Anthony. Don't go anywhere. Hit that smash that like button. Everybody Barrett Brooks, 
D-Gun. I am Rob Ellis, Jacob Media, YouTube Network Sports Take. It's the biggest, most important draft in the history of this Philadelphia football franchise. The Jacob Media Sports 2022 NFL Draft Special. Live on 6ABC.com from the Ocean Casino and Resort in Atlantic City. Presented by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles, IBEW Local 98, Stateside Vodka, United Healthcare, Mesa Law, 6ABC, and Budweiser, the official beer of the Philly sports fan. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to look. Fake a mama. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Hour number three. Welcome back in, everybody. Thanks for streaming. Thanks for listening. Sports Take. Rob Ellis, Derek Dunn, Sarah Brooks, Jacob Media, YouTube Network. Joining us now, does a phenomenal job covering the Sixers for The Athletic. You should check out all of his work, and that's Rich Hoppin. Rich, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Good, guys. Good to be with you. Rich, let's start with this one, man. Uh, naturally, it came up here, uh, Doc Rivers' propensity to uh to lose leads and 
you you tell me because it, it's it's a little bit more difficult you know reading text and, and getting a vibe for what his reaction was but did you get a sense that he was a little testy when when answering that question about uh having having dropped a lot of big leads he's been testier this year I would say. <laughs> I would say okay it's uh obviously when you read that you know read I, I have seen that that tweet has gone somewhat viral mm-hmm. and obviously doc is a uh he's an easy person to pick on because of all of those three one leads that he's lost and he's pretty defensive he didn't really take a ton of responsibility for those i i didn't really expect him to do that in this mm-hmm. moment so i kind of thought that was less of a big deal in my opinion because i just i know what he's going to say at this point mm-hmm. on those things i i did not sense that he was as testy as he was when he said would you ask pop that question and the paul reed thing a couple right. of weeks ago it was it was not <laughs> right that okay Hey, Rich, I'm surprised to you that we're sitting here looking at a 3-2 series instead of uh, the series being over. I would say I am not surprised from the start of the series. I thought it was going to be hard. I thought for a lot of the reasons we have seen in the past couple of days. Mm-hmm. But the way it's gone, I mean, to get up yep. 3 nothing, and they're just – guys, those are really bad performances, both of them. Like really unfocused really bad performances and you see you know you see these other teams around the league like Miami last night they don't have Jimmy Butler or Kyle Lowry they take care of business that's right you know I think that's been the story of the Sixers team for a long time like they're they're a flawed group and they need to bring like a certain level of focus to win games and Mm -hmm. when they don't they look horrible that's that's just what happens and yeah so I I am surprised I thought they were going to win the other night I thought like you know, game four, okay, like that's a little bit of human nature. It's hard to sweep a team, whatever. I mean, to to just they got dismantled the other night on their home court from from start to finish. And I think Toronto is they've certainly figured out some things with this longer lineup. They are starting to play a little bit, but yeah, I just I mean, Joel Embiid the other night was just he was not very good, and I was just pretty surprised by that in the whole team. Is he letting the thumb get to him too much? I know it's easy for us to say we're not dealing with a torn ligament and trying to play in the NBA. Okay, so that that's you know a given. But he, Rich, he tends to wear his heart on his sleeve at times, and when he's oh, yeah. banged up, everybody knows it. it. It, I mean, defensively, it was as bad as it gets. And how much of that is him? Hey, I don't want to deal with this because it's going to hurt my thumb if I block a shot or whatever. I wonder if it is affecting him a little bit, Rob. I mean, I've honestly been, you know, he didn't make a lot of threes the other night. I I was watching him shoot after practice today with Harden. I think he can get through this with the the catching and and rebounding. Like, yeah, it's going to affect him a little bit. Like you saw in the first game, he didn't want to go for all those rebounds because, you know, a ball coming high off the, off the glass is going to hurt when you, when you catch it. Uh, the defense the other night was insane. It is the worst defensive game I've seen him play. Mm-hmm. I've watched him play his whole career up close. It was to do that in a closeout game and have Precious Achua driving by you, like getting into you and moving you like he's prime LeBron is just, it was stunning. And I'm, I'm going to believe because Joel Embiid, for the most part, the experience of watching him has been an absolute pleasure. And that guy brings it pretty much every night. I am going to believe that he is going to be better on that end. But that was mystifying the other night. Yeah. Like they they had a chance to get back in that game in the third quarter, and for him to be the guy that was letting them down on the defensive end was was crazy to me. So I, I think there there is a little bit like I, I think it's going to be an issue that hand the rest of the the playoffs. Like he's just going to have to fight through the pain or whatever. But yeah, I mean the defense. There's just no excuse for that. That doesn't really have a lot to do with your hand, honestly. You, you know, uh, I'm surprised more so than anything else. When you look at the adjustments Toronto made the last couple of games, 
in terms of you know, packing it down more in the paint to give help on Embiid, um, you know, they're crashing the boards a lot more. I'm just surprised with, with the veteran presence uh, that the 76ers have and the head coach who's been around the block in the playoffs a few times. They have not made the necessary adjustments to combat what Toronto is now trying to do. And for the life of me, I, I, I don't understand, e- even if it's not the coach making the decision, you have enough presence on the court to say, hey, look, We've got to get back. You can't let these guys just blow by you and walk to the hoop. Somebody's got to help crash the boards. We know Embiid's hurry. I, I don't know. It, it, we, we we know a coach gets a lot of the blame and a lot of the credit for what happens and what doesn't happen. But there has to be the onus on the players at some point to take responsibility for this thing the way it has spiraled downward the last couple of games. Yeah, d- definitely. And I'm in general, like the way I view these series, it's like, I think the coach matters but I think it's a player's league for the most part. And that's why when Brett Brown got fired and everybody was calling for him, I was like, man, you, you better change the roster. And if this is a disaster and yeah. Doc gets fired, which like, look, I think that is going to happen if they do not make a deep run in these playoffs. If you don't change the players or the players don't get any better, then it doesn't really matter. And yeah, I, I would say too, the, the team they are playing, they just feed on the small stuff. Yeah. They feed on, if you don't get back in transition, which means like the Sixers take a bad shot, Harden or Embiid tries to bait a foul, and they fall down, they're going to kill you in transition. Mm -hmm. They're going to kill you on the offensive glass if you don't box out, which is, you know, they actually did an okay job of that the other night, which was kind of strange. But like this team, the one advantage they have, I would say, is they're so much more athletic across the board than Mm -hmm. the Sixers. I think the Sixers have better basketball players. I think they have better shooters. I think they have more top-end skill. But the small things like just giving the ball to them, too. They had 16 turnovers the other night. You're right. Like, this series has been played, I would say, for three games now. It has been played on Toronto's terms for the most part. Sixers got one of them. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's clear what they're doing, too. They're, they're a very funky team. You're right. They pack the paint like pretty much no team in the league. They double Embiid like literally no team in the league. They have like three guys on them at yep. times. And that's a team that you saw in the first couple of games. Like, they're not really changing anything they're doing. If you move the ball and, you know, you make the smart cuts and passes, like there are open shots to be had all game against these guys, and they're just going to keep playing that way. So, yeah, I, I would say the onus is more on the players for sure. Well, dude, talk about the players. This this is a question not just for this series, but also how we approach this offseason. Is Harden the guy? Because at this point I'm saying no way, no how. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's playing his age right now. I mean, did we – do we miss the, the 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 you know the window for a superstar to be opposite of Embiid? That's a huge question, and it's you know it's funny. I, I try and keep the, and I'm thinking the same thing too the whole time. I, I try to in my coverage like keep the playoffs the main thing before we get to off season questions and mm-hmm. and things like that. But yeah, I mean I'd be lying if I wasn't thinking the same thing. People are tweeting about talking about on radio, all of those things. He uh. If you are going to sign him long-term, you are going to need an assurance that the hamstring or something is slowing him down. Because, like, when you traded for him, you know, he's I, I think he's 32 years old right now. And if you're going to sign him to what would have been a scary contract regardless, mm-hmm. the hope would have been 32 and 33 and maybe 34. Those are the good years. Like, they, they need to be better than this. So to sign somebody to a long-term contract after this is the first year – if he continues to just keep going downward from that, that is, that is horrifying. And yeah, his burst is 
he just can't get by guys the same way. It was really weird. Like the first week he was here, he was getting by, by guys consistently and playing great. And then that is, you know, that's gone away. And this is a tough matchup for that. Like they, I really think, unfortunately, Fred Van Vliet, he's a really good player. Him getting hurt, that helped Toronto in this series because there's no guys for Harden to attack anymore. He really <laughs> praised on the weaker defenders. Like that's how it works. And And I think some teams have the weaker defenders. But now, like, you know, he, he gets a switch and it's like, all right, now it's Scotty Barnes on you. Oh, or, or OG on you know, it's like he can't take any of these guys off the dribble. So he's like, yeah, it's like he's like a junk ball pitcher right now. At this point <laughs> he, that's um, a great that's a great analogy right there. Man, yeah. You didn't trade for him to be Jamie Moyer. Right. Like, you know, exactly. It, well, yeah. I was thinking about that this this week. Like he he really like Jamie Moyer. I remember when he was with the Phillies, like. He, he needed, like, the outside strike to be called. Yes. He needed basically, like, an inch off the plate to be mm-hmm. called. He yep. needed, like, a free-swinging lineup that did stuff. Um, Harden needs an undisciplined team. He needs a team that plays a certain coverage without switchable defenders. That's what he needs. Now, I will say, like, in his defense, like, his numbers in this series are bad. Like, he's shooting, like, mid-30s from two. That's no good. Um, I will say, in the first two games, I thought he was pretty dominant with his passing. Uh, I thought, like, yeah, the scoring numbers weren't good, but the Sixers scored a million points, and mm-hmm. he was the main reason because he was getting in the paint, he was getting these guys all these shots. I still think he is capable of that. I still think he's capable of doing that tomorrow. But, yeah, it's it's certainly harder, I, I think, with the junk ball pitcher analogy. Like, it's just harder than it should be. It's harder than it used to be for him. So. Rich, Rich, stay on that. And, and I, I'm going to take you out of the, you know, focus on the series for a minute just with Harden while I'm thinking yeah. about it. But we know that Maury is borderline obsessed with James Harden. <laughs> It's a love fest. Do you think he can objectively look at this and say, I don't know, man, like as much as I, and and look, I understand what they dumped to get Harden too, but can he look at this objectively long-term and say, yeah, this is the guy I'm going to lock up for 40 plus million for the next four years or whatever. It's a great question. I mean, I think that was my assumption when they traded for him, obviously, like when you make that trade, you are, you're making a commitment (laughs) to a player. I, so my, my other question with this too is, is looking at how this has gone with Harden not picking up his option. Sure, he's probably going to want a big contract this offseason for that reason. I just look at the the free agent landscape. There's not a lot of money to be had. Like, it's a, a lot of teams are over the cap. A lot of the teams are bad that, frankly, have money. They probably want younger players, like guys who could maybe, you know, James Harden is a win-now player, if anything. Um, I wonder, like, can you look at this and say, like, who is giving him? the $40 million. I just, mm. I kind of wonder who that is. Like in a lot of cases when, you know, when like Tobias Harris got that big contract, I don't think he would have gotten that big of a contract. He would have gotten some money from somebody in that summer. That's just the way the market would have, uh, would have worked for him. <clears throat> Arden, I'm not sure. And yeah, I, the, the big question, Rob is like Daryl Morey, he kind of owes his career to James Harden making that trade. Like, I think Daryl Morey is an awesome Ooh, that's GM. Bad. Don't say that to me, man. Don't say it's that to me. True. <laughs> true. <laughs> he's, he's tied to him, period, right? So, um, Well, we'll see. I mean, but I I also think he's, like, a very logical guy, and he's he's seeing what, what this looks like right now. This is, like, this is not good enough where he's, you know, a, a first-round scrappy team where he's not able to get any separation against these guys. So, I mean, guys, it's if I could tell you – I knew what's going to happen in the off season. I, I would love to know that. Um, but I, in general, like I do think they're going to commit to him at some level. I just, I just wonder like, shouldn't you be able to get some sort of discount from, from what you thought it should be? Because he's just not, <laughs> he's not that guy. Mm-hmm. You think that having Thibault up in Toronto hurt, hurts them a lot or no? No. Because he hasn't I, given them much of anything. No, honestly, Derek, the, the opposite. <laughs> so okay. I think, I All think right. it might help them. Uh, 
He's had one of the most like look, he's a he's a seventh, eighth man, so whatever, or a fifth starter on a really good team, mm-hmm. which he was for the, these guys for a while. He's had one of the he's had a really tough couple weeks, man, like for him with the not getting vaccinated, which is yeah. just I mean, just harmful to your team. Um, and he gives the I'll just say it like the bad explanation for why he did it. Like it just didn't make any sense. And the other problem with him is, and I've always feared this with him. It's really hard to be a one way player in the playoffs. And I, and honestly, it's really hard to be a one way defensive player in the playoffs. Like I'll give the opposite example. Cause, cause he, he kind of went offense defense with this guy last year. Seth Curry was the opposite of that. Seth Curry is a one way offensive player in the playoffs. And I thought last year on that Hawks series, he was awesome for the most part. He made all those threes. But you saw in game seven when they put him on the floor, like Kevin Herter just absolutely abused him. And Kevin mm-hmm. Herter probably shouldn't be abusing anybody in a game mm-hmm. seven in a playoff series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thibault, on the other hand, like the way Toronto helps and the way they, they put that long guy, Chris Boucher, on him, they, they literally don't care about him. And I think that makes life so hard for Joel Embiid. Like he just – He's got a guy in his lap automatically. And, you know, if he's making his threes, there are games where he's making threes. He'll make two or three of them, and it's fine. He gets a good cut from Harden. It's fine. But, man, I mean, the other night he was just – he was completely lost. And and I, mm-hmm. I do think, like, you know, you don't usually see, like, such a quick hook from, from coaches. But after the turnover and the air ball layup, Doc was like, I got to get him out of the game. And I, I don't think that was even, like, a, a mean move on his point. He was just like, wait, we just can't play you tonight. So, no, I, I don't think – he's really going to hurt them. The other thing too, is I, I don't really think they have like a wing player that you need him to guard either too. Like Toronto's not a very good offensive team. Siakam is really the guy who gets their buckets. Mm-hmm. And I think Tobias, you know, Siakam has played well over the past games. I've been impressed with how Tobias is guarding him and he's a little bigger too. So no, I, I don't really think it's a Matisse series. The, the worst thing is that Danny Green's probably going to have to play 35 minutes again. And oh. you know, wonder well, like he's been okay, but that's a lot for I'll take that, but right now, I mean, is 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 Niang giving you enough of the offensive side to to legitimize him being on the court? Because defensively, I'm just they just running by him like he's not even there. No, like, like, you know, Barrett, that's the sick. They're not asking him to do too much, right? Right. Yeah. But but go ahead, Rich. I'm sorry. No, you're, you're absolutely right, guys. He uh, well, the, the other thing I think with Niang is that he missed the last weekend of the season with knee issues, and they said, you know, if it's a playoff game, he would play. You're seeing him grab. He's got like a big sleeve on that one knee, which he hasn't had the entire year. If he's not able to move, like we always joke, like the, the minivan, all those things, like he's not a very athletic guy in the first place. Anyway, he doesn't, let's be real. Like he doesn't like look like an NBA basketball player. No, he doesn't. No, no. <laughs> so, so do I think he's doing enough on the offensive end? He is making his threes for the most part in this series. I, I think you have to play him just because you're so – so short on depth, but you're absolutely right that like Toronto, very uncreative offense. They just they just look right at him and say it's like the Sixers are doing man. Well, he's on me now. He's on me. Yeah, give me the ball. And I think for the most part, it's been working for them. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's just going to have to play. Like he's your seventh guy at this point. You know, with Paul Reed being your eighth, like he's going to have to give you twenty something minutes a game. But yeah, he's not moving well at all, and it's a uh, it's a concern for this team for sure. Hey Rich, when you sit down to look, I'm sorry. When you sit down to look at Game Six tomorrow night, give me some of the intangibles you'll be looking at closely as the game unfolds, or looking for. I, I just think the biggest thing is like, can you like 
show up in, in the first quarter and like don't get behind like you know can you play with some that doc always calls it playing with pace and i i actually agree with him on this it, it doesn't mean like getting fast break points although the sixers like they could use that like in the first two games they ran the ball down from his throat mm-hmm. that really helps um they just need to like I don't know, like have some movement on offense, some ball, some man movement, those things like like run actual plays, those type of things. Because I, to me, you guys, like if they get ahead of Toronto, Toronto, like they're going to like wind clock on offense. I don't in the NBA, like you can blow 15 point leads pretty easily. You've seen the Sixers do that a bunch this year. I don't think this Toronto team can do that. Like, I don't think they can come back from that big of a lead. And you saw that in the first couple of games. The problem is it's been the Sixers who are the ones who have been behind the whole time. And like, you know, they're going to milk clock Toronto and all these things. Like they just need to just like have some like ball movement, some player movement, get Embiid some easy deep touches. But yeah, like honestly guys, I, I don't really know like what to say, except like just play harder. Like, like literally mm-hmm. like, it's the team that if you match their effort, you're probably going to win. I, I think, I think you're probably going to win. I think you're a better. Yes. Team. But, I don't know. They haven't done that for two games, I don't think. So. Do you, Rich, do you have a sense? I, I, I'll just ask you. I mean, there's two games left. We've never seen it happen in the history of the NBA, uh, 143 times. Do they win this series? I'm going to say yes, but I, I think it's, like, pretty close to 50-50, you know? Okay. Like, I, I think it's it's scary. I mean, it, look, I've been covering this team long enough. They never do anything easily, like, never. Like, it's just that it's not in their DNA. So the idea of them going out and just, like, scoring 130 tomorrow night, I wouldn't be surprised, but I wouldn't be surprised if they get shut down for two games, guys. Like, I just, mm. I, I don't know. And it's the, the biggest issue right now for me is it's hardened. Like, I, I just, you don't know, li- literally since probably mid-March, it's just like one game, he's good. One game, it's like, oh my gosh, like, or whatever. And now you're in a playoff series, it's a bad matchup. I, I just don't know what you're going to get from that guy night to night. And that's, that's not a great position to be in, but I think it's where they are realistically. Did, did, did you hear Harden's comment after the game uh, the other night when he said, I need the players around me to be better, basically? And I'm thinking, you, you're supposed to be that guy. You're supposed to be able to put these people on your back and, ra- and them rally around you. But yet, basically, you're calling out other players indirectly. You're basically saying everybody's not pulling their weight. Isn't that a bad message to send when you're in dire straits like this? He's probably not the best guy to listen to when things are going poorly <laughs> because I'll say this, even when he's playing well, he's a very detached guy. Like he's, okay. I don't think like all of this Philadelphia really cares about sports stuff. Like, I don't think that's even in his mind. Like, I think mm. he's just a guy, he, he likes to play basketball, but he, he really doesn't take losses quite as hard as probably the normal player and those things like that. Yeah. And he, you know, he complains about spacing and, and issues like that, but Look, you're right. Like they traded for this guy to be the the top perimeter creator, the top guy. He has the ball in his hands the entire game. So, like right. to me, it's even more than the scoring. It's like if you have the ball in your hands the entire game, I don't really care if you score. I care how much the team scores. And it's like if the team is inefficient and you're dribbling the air out of the ball, that's when it starts to become a problem. Like I think honestly, and I will give him credit on this. Mm-hmm. I think for the most part, when you see Tyrese Maxey go crazy, like from three point range and you know getting all these buckets and transition and these attacks i think james harden is a huge part of that like the the attention he creates throwing a pass right on the money and getting him open um but you're seeing it like when tyrese maxi doesn't play well it's like well that's because james harden doesn't really have it tonight and he's Mm. he's dribbling the ball a lot and it's those type of things so yeah it's uh he's a he's a frustrating guy to get it but like it's funny a lot of 
people made uh, a lot about Embiid's comments the other night about like it's not my job to to get him to take more shots. Like I don't know if he's capable of taking more shots, guys. Like I don't, mm. you know, which is crazy because this is the guy who you know he scored what thirty seven points a game one year or whatever, and he led the league in usage rate for like five years in a row. They was just playing one on five basketball and doing it very well for a lot of his career. It's just it's bizarre to see him at this point, like where he has this great piece in Joel Embiid and it's just, it's not as easy for him anymore. Rich, I got, I got to ask you about Ben Simmons. Um, we didn't see him in that series. Not a shock for, for a lot of people. There's all kinds of stuff floating around now. One of them being he met with the, he and Rich Paul met with the Nets brass. And, you know, part of it he mentioned was it's psychological that what's going on with him mentally is affecting the back. I mean, there's just a lot there. How do you think this thing plays out? Another question I'd, I'd love to answer. I, I will say the, the one thing about Ben Simmons that I love, we, we could talk about Ben Simmons all day. Um, I just, I'm very happy. It's not my responsibility. Yeah, I hear you. To, to care about it anymore, you know, and not, not at that level. Um, yeah. I, I Guys, I think, you know, he's went about this, I think really poorly for the most part, him and his agency. And I think the Nets did a, a really poor job. Like all of these reports of, Oh, he's ramping up to play. What? What is this? Like, are, are you going to play or are you not going to play? Like, wait, it's not that big of a deal. Like, are you, it's, it's not like an eight step process to want to play a game. Um, <laughs> I think his mental anxiety issues are just a huge issue for him right now. And I think he's, he's kind of played with that tough guy persona for a lot of his career and the, you know, mm-hmm. the blowing the smoke between the nose. And I, I just think like the, the look, under, <laughs> underneath that, He's a guy who I think he's scared to play right now. And I thought the the idea of throwing him out there in a game four, I mean, I I know the series was three, nothing, but like, what if it was two, one, either way, you're going to throw him in that series against that team. Like that, that never made any sense to me ever. And it's just, you know, this is a guy who, and it gets lost because of the circus that has been his last year. This was a guy who was like, not trying to play against Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks last year. Mm-hmm. Like that was his last actual basketball moment. Look, I, I think he's probably going to come back next year. Like I, that's a lot of money and, and he's going to, he's going to lose that. I think starting next year, if he doesn't play with it, but um, I, this could go, go poorly for him, man. He's got some real, I think mental and anxiety issues to have to deal with. And I, I do have some sympathy for him in that regard, but also the way he's gone about it has been um, not great. So I understand why other people have less sympathy. Absolutely. And, and Rich, right. Yeah. And Rich, when you look at the Eastern Conference, who do you like better, Boston or Miami? I like Boston better. And I actually think for, for the Sixers, too, um, those Miami would be a tough matchup. But I actually think, like, if they got through this series for a one seed, I think Miami, they'd have a chance to win that series. I'd probably pick mm. Miami. But, like, it'd be mm. like it'd be like 40-60 to me. Like, they could mm. – they, well, it's just uh, the the issue, right? I, I would have went higher too, but Jimmy has looked pretty good in these playoffs so far, and that was kind of my big, big thing with them. But I, you know, I watched, you know, the Sixers beat them a couple weeks ago with, you know, with nobody, with Tyrese Maxey basically by himself, just just lighting them on fire. Um, Boston to me is the worst. Not only are they, I think, the best team, I think they're the worst matchup for the Sixers by a mile. Like, mm-hmm. I think the way that team guards is just. It's terrifying. I mean, they switch one to five. They're they're a better, much better version of Toronto, where they are super solid, and they also have Jason Tatum and Jalen guys who can get their own shots. Yep, you know, very easily on the other end. So it's been honestly, it's it's a super weird year. I remember they came to Philly in, I'm gonna say in like January, 
they were a disaster. They scored like 80 points. You know, That's we're right. talking about how Thibel stinks right now. He shut both those guys down. It was it was wild. Their vibes were so bad. So for them to honestly persevere through that and get to this point is one of the it's one of the crazier stories I've seen all year. But like I think Milwaukee and Miami would be favored against the Sixers, but I, I don't think the Sixers would completely be drawing dead against those teams, assuming Embiid is you know relative Embiid. Uh, Boston would be a tough sell for me, man. I mm. think that that team is that's a tough matchup. No doubt. Rich, appreciate it, man. All, great catching up with you here. And, Thank and you, man. Looking forward to talking to you down the line. Really do Great combo. Work. Great combo. Great work on the on the athletic, man. Thank you. All right, that's Rich Hoffman. All right, guys, let's do this. Take a timeout. We're going to get it back to the Eagles here. Uh, we'll talk about the draft, which is coming up. Man, we are now, let's see, 29 hours and 40 minutes. Who's counting? I mean, who's <laughs> Too long. <laughs> Too dang long. I don't even know at this point. It's, it's hard. But anyway, so we'll come back. Barrett Brooks. Derek Unravels will talk to Anthony Becht, who played in the league for 11 years, covered the game, not only at the NFL level, the college level, and now will be a coach in the XFL. We'll talk to Anthony when we get back. Sports Take, Jacob Media, YouTube Network. It's the biggest, most important draft in the history of this Philadelphia football franchise. The Jacob Media Sports 2022 NFL Draft Special. Live on 6ABC.com from the Ocean Casino and Resort in Atlantic City. Presented by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles, IBEW Local 98, Stateside Vodka, United Healthcare, Messalon, 6ABC and Budweiser, the official beer of the Philly sports fan. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. 
so good it just disappears. It's been a quick one today, that is for sure. We are rolling in to the final segment of the program. Derek Gunn, Barrett Brooks, Rob Ellis, Sports Take, each and every day, noon to three, and you get a double dip tomorrow. We're on 12 to three with Sports Take, and then after that at 8 o'clock, starting at 8 o'clock, not only uh, on our usual uh, Jacob Media YouTube network, but also 6abc.com, you will get that lineup. Seth Joyner, Derek Gunn, Devin Caney, Mike Quick, myself, Hanging out, Ocean Resort Casino. We cannot wait. It is going to be a party. We have a band. We got all kinds of – you can be able to – if you're there, you can watch Derek Gunn eat up close and personal. Oh, and yes. He, he will be yes. sampling from the cuisine. That is – Everything that's free to offer, I will be sampling. <laughs> I am not free, going to sit here and lie to you. It is for he. Yes, Let that me tell is you something. Even if it's something I look at and go, I don't know about this, but you know what? It's free. I got to taste it. You got to try I'm it. I'm a stamp. But, you know, we should also try to get the voice. The voice is doing that promo. Yes. Uh, we should see if we can get him in person to get him on the show. I want to know who this guy is, what his okay. name is, <laughs> and if that's his real voice or if he just turns on the switch when he does these narrations and he goes into this. I mean, that voice is like they should be on some of these best thrillers that oh. we've ever watched. In well, movies. speaking of turning it on in great voices, uh, the man himself, the pride of Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania, Monsignor Bonner. There he is. 11 years in the NFL. There he is. The new head coach, and he's got the lid to prove it, for the Tampa franchise of the XFL, Anthony Beck. What's up, Ant? Gentlemen, good to be here. Well, now, Gentlemen. I'm not with any franchise yet. We haven't we haven't yeah. designated the cities yet, so uh, that's soon to be coming. I'm projecting uh, that. That's, that. Not, I'm projecting that's that. not a guarantee, so we'll see how that works out. But I'm excited, man. Thanks for having me on. What uh, made you want to be a coach, man? Yeah, man. Well, you know, listen, about when I left the league, uh, you know, that that's kind of what I was my last couple of years in the league. I was brought on the, the last couple of organizations to galvanize a tight end room, be that leader in the locker room and really help guys get better. And I just had a, a really a passion for it. But, you know, in my life and my my family, you know, the media side was really a great opportunity for me to yeah get into broadcasting. But you know, a kind of another role for me was to learn and understand the college game, which I did not really follow uh, as an NFL football player. So I got to immerse myself for eight years in college, get to know the coaches, the staffs, the systems, the defenses, and really blend that with my experiences as a player in the NFL. So, you know, I have do have experience, obviously, coaching. I coached in the AAF in the spring league in 2019. I was a tight end coach and uh, for Mike Martz in the San Diego fleet. And Mike really took a liking and took me under his wing a little bit and told me, look, you should be doing this. You shouldn't be in the broadcast booth. So I told him, I said, one day it'll work out. We'll figure it out. So I've kind of like sprinkled it in college all-star games, high school football, and kind of done the full gamut. But, uh, yeah, this is a great experience. I pushed all my chips in, and I had a good vision and sell it, and they bought it. So I'm all for it. I can't wait. Anthony, kudos to you for even wanting to be a coach 
uh, in today's climate because every time I talk to former players about coaching, they all say, I can't coach these players today. You need 53 psychologists to coach these. You know, not like back in the day when you had a, a Chuck Noll, a Tom Landry, everybody got coached the same way. You need 53 Jedi mind tricks to coach these guys individually, man. So you must have a lot of patience to want to coach these guys at this level. Well, you know, that's a great point, Derek. I mean, you're right. This is a different day and age. Social media, the pressures, uh, you know, the money, the NIL, all this stuff that's kind of put together in the minds of the athlete. It's different. And you're right. Coaching them is is an art form, a true art form. It's not just the X's and O's anymore. So, you know, for me, I think I'm a people person. Yeah. I'm really I look at myself as a true CEO of men. I'm going to get to know my players. They're going to get to know me. I'm going to understand what makes each one of those guys tick. And, you know, yeah, that's a lot of work. But for me to be successful, I want guys running through the wall for me. And you only get that when you understand them. So mm. you're going to have multiple uh, personalities. You're going to have guys that are really skilled but, you know, aren't driven in certain or different ways. And, you know, taking that time to really understand the player. And, you know, really a lot of the help I've had on understanding people and, and Barrett knows this. I've been working with the NFL and the legend side, helping yep. players transition for the last eight years, uh, getting ready to take on retirement and what that looks like. And just, you know, being that convoluted uh, to, to, to really for those guys in transitioning. So I think when you look at why I got into this and what really sparked the interest for the XFL is all those things together, which I can bring to the table, which I'm excited about. Yeah, and 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 people may not know. You mentioned some of your coaching. You also were the offensive coordinator for your son's team, your son's high school team, the last yeah. few years, and he's now going on to Iowa State. To uh, he's a, quarter, a big time quarterback prospect. Your son Rocco. So that how cool was that coaching your kid in high school? I'll tell you. You know, in in nineteen, I said two thousand nineteen, COVID was hitting and everything was getting crazy. My contract was up with ESPN. And I thought I was ascending in the broadcasting side in college football. And for whatever reason, my, you know, contract COVID and just the business in general, things were kind of cut down and I became one of those guys. But honestly, it was a blessing in disguise because I did go and help coach uh, my son in high school. And those are two years I'll never get back with my son. And I was able to kind of not just it wasn't me coaching him. It was just kind of giving back to the guys around him. He had already been kind of being instilled in things that I that he wanted to get from me. You know, I remember the day right after his senior season where he kind of came to me and said, look, dad, I want to know what it takes now. I want to take the next step. Mm -hmm. And, and you guys have kids, you know, when that time comes, you never push things on your kids, but when they want to bring that mm -hmm. in and, and you're like, yeah, you know, I was internally, I was like, oh, I, can, yeah. I can pass on some of this knowledge and give back. So uh, yeah, it was great to be a part of it. You know, I just tried to, you know, help him and all his teammates and it was really good. We're blessed. I'm excited to see his journey. I mean, this is something that, uh, he is driven, and he's got a little old-school value, Barrett, which is great. He's got a little bit of yeah. us. <laughs> nice, and hopefully that helps and, and leads him. He may not play another down, or he end up maybe in the, the, the best back of the house. But either way, I'm excited about his journey. That's you know, quarterback, cool. too, huh? I mean, that's that's different. Uh, there's no doubt. Yeah, quarterback. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's not for everybody. I definitely can't do it, and I can only help him in so far at that position. But – you got to have a little bit of the mental side, a little it factor. And, you know, he, he seems to be on the right track. He had a great spring early enrolled in January 
and uh, he's excited about it. So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens, man. We'll look forward to seeing how it grows. Good stuff. Well, one of the things we want to talk to you about, because you, you balanced the best of both worlds. You know the college game. You know the pro game, man. So the Eagles are sitting here at 15 and 18. Yeah. And it's a critical draft for them. They were a playoff team last year. But, you know, it, it, a lot of that was a they were a beneficiary of a weak schedule and a lot of other things that went into it. You look at this team. You see some of the needs. I know you keep a close eye still on the Eagles from sure. a distance. But where do you think they should go now where they go could be a different story what do you think they need the most i think both picks should be on defense personally for me uh you know you know nick sariani did a great job i think you know the early start with the fans and how he you know maybe thought that he was going to be i think it ended up being real well i'd known nick for a long time uh almost a decade and i was happy for him to see his his growth and you're right you know this team ended up finishing strong so i think you know look you always want to surround your quarterback with weapons i think that second pick may be an area where if someone falls and you have a receiver or somebody that like, wow, like this guy is high on our board. I think you squeeze in, but I think, you know, cornerback probably is maybe a priority for them at that pick. I think there's some really two good linebackers, obviously with Devin Lloyd and, and Dean from Georgia, the Utah and Georgia kid in particular, Lloyd, I think is worth the value of 15. That guy can do it all at the linebacker position. He can blitz, he can tackle, he can run, he can cover. I really feel like, you know, he, he's a guy that can step in and do a lot of great things for this team. But if there's a corner there, they're not going to probably, you know, sauce isn't going to be available, obviously, unless they decide to move up. But the McDuffie kid from Washington, the the book kid from Clemson, and even the uh, uh, Elam kid, Elam kid from Florida, you know, different skill sets, Elam long, uh, 6'3", aggressive, little hands, he gets some penalties, but man, he'll get in your face. He's got that swagger to him. The other two guys, really guys that limited receivers to low numbers, low catches, uh, technically sound guys. Again, I think they're going to be in the vision of the Eagles. I would just go defense completely, in my opinion, uh, on both of those picks. Hey, Anthony, you played the game. Your last year in the league was a decade ago. And in just 10 years, give me your perspective on how much the tight end position has evolved and changed since you played the game. You know, I think every team still wants the complete tight end. It's hard to find, and when you get them, it's a bonus. But right now, let's be honest, the, the gifted, athletic, bigger receiver body tight ends is what this league is built on. Mm -hmm. It's all about mismatches, linebackers, safeties on these guys. They can't be defended. Blocking is – look, if there's no – nobody cares more about blocking at the position than me. But even me as someone that's seen this game kind of evolve – it's not needed to be at a devastating form. They can bring tackles in. They can do those things. When you can start flexing tight ends out, moving them, and putting them in, in pieces on the on the field where they match up against the guy that, quite frankly, can't cover them. And we're seeing guys like Kelsey and Waller. They can match up versus the corner now on the outside yeah. and become a problem as well. So I love where it's going. Anytime you can build up the position, I'm all for it. I think the need for a guy like me that maybe was more complete will extend your career if you're not elite. Yes, sir. You know, that, that's that piece that will add years to your career. But as far as getting in and what they're looking for, and, and if you can find two of these guys that can really split the defense and really make them vanilla, these are the kind of bodies and type of skilled players that they're looking for at the tight end position, and it's completely changed. Heck, we're seeing, we're seeing tight ends get handoffs. In, yeah. in, in jet sweeps and 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 flipping and shovel passes so it's it's definitely come a long way hmm. well let me ask you this man you know we have a we have a player right now that um that's making a transition from being a, a wide receiver who had two catches to now being a tight end 
you've only had two catches when you're a receiver and you're moving to tight end. I'm thinking to myself, all right, you can't block as a tight end, but you can't catch as a wide receiver. So what what place does he have in, in trying to be a, a, a part of this offense if he hasn't done much as a receiver and he's done nothing as a, a tight end? It's JJ, or, JJ Ortega Whiteside is, is who Barry. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Okay, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, listen, he's got the frame to do it. Uh, clearly, from a physicality standpoint, uh, you know, you, you always lean on the side that that's probably going to be unattainable, but it can be taught. I think technique, good mm-hmm. coaching can help a guy, you know, get in front of bodies and and, and kind of get in the way, is what they like to call it these days for the, some of these tight ends. Uh, you know, look, I mean, it's all about matchups. I mean, moving them inside, splitting them, flexing them, uh, you know, do, are you confident enough, you know, getting passes to them and, and making him a, an important piece. The only way he's going to develop at that is actually putting him out there and, and giving those realistic chances. So right. transition, transitioning in practices and, and during the week is one thing, but the live bullets is where it matters. And, you know, I don't know if there's enough room for him to get that practice and those reps that he needs uh, to be a successful guy. But I think when you look at him uh, from, from a body standpoint, you know, clearly he can still have enough speed and do those things, but I, I don't see him being a – you know, he'd be more of that H guy and, you know, maybe like mm-hmm. come across the back end of the line, get in the way, cut off a guy. But as far as, you know, end of the line tight end, it'd be a, it'd be a struggle. There's no doubt. I mean, it's it's not easy. When, when Tebow was trying to do it, these things are laughable to me when folks think, oh, yeah, that's the easiest transition. It's not. Right. You know, <laughs> this, this is an actual right. system, you know, so you got to learn how to play like a lineman. You have to learn how to run routes like a receiver. And you got to be kind of a quarterback, secondary quarterback, because of the things, protections and reads and things of that nature. So, you know, it's not just plug and play. There is some some skill that needs to be taught, and it is a tough transition. The other kid, actually, the kid from Buffalo, the former quarterback. Um, yeah, Tyree Jackson. Tyree Jackson. Yeah, I actually I called that, you know, he got a lot of play time, but he got hurt in that last game against Dallas. I actually thought that there was – there was some actual some something substance there with his yeah. his move. He can catch, you know, very natural in his routes. They were getting a ton of opportunities in that game because he got to play more reps. I think he's a guy, obviously coming back from injury, that you know what, man, he he looks like he's trying to figure it out, and he's got a chance. You look at Logan Thomas at Washington, who's made a nice mm-hmm. transition. Yep, he's in that mold now. He's not going to block mm-hmm. and stuff. But I actually thought the move for him was going to be you know tough. He actually looks like he's he's had some really good traction with it. And I want to go back. You you were mentioning uh, Sirianni. Give me some of the attributes that that you've experienced being around him that make him a, a good head coach and could make him a good head coach going forward. Well, when I knew him, it was his first year in the league. So he had to do everything and anything he could just to kind of get some type of, you know, anybody to get eyes on him. But diligent worker, you know, played the game. You know, knows offenses, uh, you know, has a good blend of the college and and the pro style. Learned a lot, obviously, under guys like Todd Haley and then obviously Frank Reich getting to know those systems. Ken Wisenhunt. So he's been around some established play callers. It's all about now getting the personnel and getting a read. I think early in the season, they really didn't know what their guy, what they had and what they could do. And really, quite frankly, what Hertz could do. So, you know, being able to kind of blend and develop your talent to make it right. I think that's the one thing about him is he's not going to be a hard head. He's going to be a guy that gets it. These are the guys I have. How do I make them work so we can get as many wins as most success as possible? And I think that's what you saw at the end of the year. And that's what you'll get. You'll get a guy that's not stubborn. And I think the one thing, if anything, was I didn't really know anybody from his staff. You know, usually I look at his staff and I, oh, I know that guy. I know this guy. He really has a blend of guys that he believes in 
that uh, ultimately are, you know, got in positions where, you know, he trusts them. So again, it's all of that building that relationship with the NFL players and, and in the locker room and, and getting that belief in that system. And I think guys ultimately bought into that at the end of the year. Anthony, we uh we had Les Bowen on earlier, and I asked him about this, and, and we were, Barrett and I and Rob were talking earlier about NFL players of today training to get ready for the rigors of a now 17-game season. Do you think that because there has been such a pushback in terms of how 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 vigorous the, the practice sessions are, it has increased significantly the volume of soft tissue injuries, the ACLs, the Achilles injuries that we see across the NFL today? I think the problem is uh, the off-season program itself. You know, mm. when, when me and Barrett played, and this wasn't too long ago, this is per new contract, you know, we started in March. Majority of the guys were there. We built a foundation for eight weeks, and then we did OTAs. You know, coaches don't – they don't know what kind of shape. They're not – you know, they hire a guy to get guys in shape. Now they go in and end of February – or end of April, and they're rocking and rolling beginning of, of May – your body is not ready to go full board. And these coaches are going now. They're not waiting in OTA. So it's not the rigors of the practice. The practice schedules is light. It's just the conditioning of the body to callous yourself up to, to really get into explosive activity. Yeah. You know, and some of these guys like to train with some of these people outside, which to me, um, it's okay. But, you know, a lot of these assisted workouts, a lot of these like second tier training habits aren't the true – core squat you know snatch bench those have to be built into what you're doing because football is about explosion mm -hmm. and if those muscles aren't going through those things for an extended period of time you're going to see guys tearing their acls and not get touched you're going to see younger players tearing their ac uh, uh, their achilles tendon when they're doing simple stuff when that wasn't mm -hmm. even i don't even remember guys getting Me achilles injuries when we played and right. hell you got to get in the building and do core stuff and if you're only doing it for three and a half, almost four weeks, and going right into football at full speed, man, that, that just wears the body down and you're not ready. So I think it's a matter of you know, that window of time when they're together grinding. Mm -hmm. I think that has to be bigger. I think guys think they're getting their work done at home, but they're not. They're not going through those, those type of the off-season running and conditioning, all these things that really build the core of your body to get you prepared to take on OTAs and training camp mm -hmm. and this well done. Well done. And we know you got to go, but we appreciate you hopping on again. Thanks congratulations. Lot, appreciate man. you, man. Can't wait. Uh, 2023 XFL city to be determined. We don't know right now, uh, but awesome catching up with you, man. Hey, Rob, I got to, I got to tilt this down. You, you see that right there, That's right? Correct. Yes. That That's is the honor, honor football, man. <laughs> and, hey, listen, you <laughs> see that you see it man. over my shoulder. You can see the, the logo right there. I see it right there. Shameless promotion. Exactly. Shameless right. promotion. Hey, you got the Anthony Beck years football camp coming the golf up, right? event and yeah. 16 years at the camp. Uh, Barrett's been through the camp. Uh, we're still going, man. We're still kicking back dollars, helping the old high school. I'm doing it here in Florida, mm -hmm. kicking back money now to all these youth organizations. I love it, man. Help these young kids, you know, just kind of give them a chance, right? So all we can do is give them a chance. And uh, if any right. of the kids in the area listen to their show, parents want to get them to the camp, they can go to my website. And, of course, the golf event. Rob, I hope you can come by yes. or at least have a beer or something like that. It'd be great to see you. For sure. And great job, man. And thanks for all thanks, you do for the community, man. My appreciate, appreciate you, bro. It, man. That's Anthony. Yeah. He, that's a dude who gives back, guys. I can tell you. Bro, from, yeah. yeah. That's my dude, man. That's my yep. dude, man. We're talking about a guy, man. That, you know, and, and, and listen, he sounds like a coach now. He doesn't yeah. really sound like a broadcaster anymore. And mm -hmm. they said, you know what he said? 
you know, callous. I said harden the body. He yeah. said callous the body. That's, right. that's working your point past the point right. that you thought you could work past. Yeah. And it, it, when you don't do that, that's what happens. If you can't go out there and know exactly where your point of, of, of art, I can't do it anymore, then how are you going to know that you can do it? You can do it now in practice. You know what I'm saying? How do you know that you can go out there and run four miles unless you do it? Right. And then once you do it, all right, let me see if I got a little bit less. So you run a little bit more than four miles. That's building callus. That's building up, you know, hardening your body so it knows you can go to that next step. Because once your mind knows you can go to that next step, then your body can do it. Your mind, I want to say football is 80% mental and mm -hmm. 20% physical. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can work past something, your mind, and I tell people a lot too, when you have great players, the great players, they have a little bit wrong with them. You know what I'm saying? It's not, you know, <laughs> sometimes it's some screws loose that they can push past what average people can no, stop. I'm not. I was never the, that type of player, but they can push past we got where everybody else can't. You know, what no, I was talking about the screws loose. Oh, yeah, okay. right, right. That's more on the screws. No, but real oh, quick, okay. yeah. just go to Anthony Beck. That's B E C H T footballcamp.com uh, at uh, Bonner Prendy High School in Drexel Hill, June 27th through 29th, 9 to 3. And Barrett, I know you've been out there. Uh, my, Love buddy, it. my buddy was teaching offensive line tech. I was talking to him the other day, my buddy Mike, who's the best. So he played offensive line at Kutztown, right? He was he was a very good player in his own right. Didn't play in the NFL like Barrett did. But he said Barrett rolled up and watched him showing the kids. And Barrett was actually like, dog, you know what you're talking about. And he still talks about it to this day. <laughs> that Barrett complimented him on, on a teaching technique. So I, the, I'm telling you that happened. But there are there are legitimate – he brings a lot of NFL players in and yeah, including yeah. Barrett to, to the camp. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. That's for sure. But I thought he made an interesting point uh, when he was talking about a couple of different things. One, about the conversion for the tight end, but also just from a defensive standpoint, Barrett kind of echoing some of your sentiments there and, and, and some of the things you're talking about. He's, he thinks corner. He thinks corner uh, yeah. is the direction that they would go. I wonder if they're just in love with Sauce Gardner or Derek Stingley Jr. enough that's the guy they make the move up on. That's going to be fast because there's, there's risk there with Stingley with the injury. Sauce is a guy who's got crazy size, but he's projected as probably the number one guy at his position. Can you get high enough to get him? Could be well, tough. That's, that's, see that, and that's the difference. I mean, how do you how do you how do you not fall into the trap that the Eagles have done before by, you know, going out and picking for a need instead of the best available player? Yeah, and and that's what they're going to have to negotiate. You know, the need is a cornerback. Best available player might be the defensive tackle in uh, Deontay Wyatt. Devontae mm -hmm. Wyatt, wherever his name is, Wyatt from uh, Georgia. Yeah, you know, that might be the best player at that at that time that's on the board. So how do you navigate that? There's still a need there, but it's not a, a pre not as a pressing a need because you have two veteran guys that are already there at least for one year. Yeah, but you have a cornerback position right now that needs to be filled, and if you got a guy like Booth there, you're drafting. Are you drafting too high at 15, or you know, or or do you draft Wyatt, who shouldn't be there, and you get him? You know, that's that's what you know. That's that's the type of thing that I look at. You know, going into this draft, that how he's got to look at and determine what's best for the. You know, what's best? What's the best way to you know to negotiate this draft? Is it best available, or is it need? Or Derek, do, do you read it that Booth is going to be sitting there at at eighteen, and you go grab your receiver at fifteen? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, this is reading the room. It's a possibility also, um, you know, and again, you know, the Eagles board, just like every other team, their board is set right now. 
and they've got all the players stacked up in terms of who that who their priorities are at this at, at whatever position may be. And as the board and, and as the draft unfolds in the first round, and the names come off the board, everybody boards adjust just a little bit. Mm-hmm. So one player who might be here might be here. If this player's gone, all of a sudden this player slides up. So because the Eagles have so many needs, um, I don't think they'll fall into the category of just best of player available in general. It comes down to best of player available at this particular time that we can still plug in play here and still move on and get somebody else that we can also plug in play. You know, when you look at the teams that are picking in the top 10, they have multitudes of needs. There's a reason why they're picking in the top 10. They have multiple. So they're going to get a player that they can plug and play right now. And the Eagles, even though they're outside their top 10, they have enough position needs where they're going to get somebody. Whether they stay where they are, whether they move up, they are going to get somebody that they can plug and play right now. You know, whether it's a quarterback, edge rusher, wide receiver, the case may be. It's it's there's room for those players to grow right now and give consic give a significant snap snap counts for the upcoming season. So you know again I, I can't wait until it unfolds because I'm tired of talking about speculating about what this team is going to do. <laughs> um, you know I don't think we can get any smarter than we already are. You know I think it comes down to right now spin that roulette wheel and let's see where where it stops. You're right, man. I'm, I'm yeah. looking at it also. I mean, I, I'm, I'm even thinking you might get better worth, better bang for your buck if you yeah. trade one of those first-round picks yeah. for a team that has two second-rounders. Yeah. Because the yeah. depth that Boy, they the can fans get, will love that, Barrett. They'll love what I'm just saying, if you, if, you can get a, if you can get a George Pickens, a six foot three, 200-pound wide receiver yeah. from Georgia and also get um, Quay Walker, a six foot four, 245-pound linebacker who runs a four or five from Georgia, mm-hmm. that's more bang for the buck because both of those guys really actually could go in the first round. But if you can get them both in the second round for a first rounder, you know, that's, that's just getting two for one with guys that probably should have went in the first round right. or just out, outshined by the others that were around them. Yeah. Listen, I, this stuff's all on the table. Like the, no, I'll tell you what, the odds of them sitting there at 15 and 18 are slim. In my opinion, there's going to be a move with one or both of those picks up or down. There's going to be something that goes down. There's going to be something that happens in front of them that will prompt something going down, sitting there at 15 and 18 rarely ever happens with Howie Rose. If I'm I'm certain of anything, I think there's going to be some kind of move, what it is, what position. I don't know. I don't know. We started to show off talking about this. I mean, we, at least we're honest about it. We, we frankly, you don't know what, what they're going to end up doing. So, all right. So here's what we have coming up tomorrow, guys. We got our usual show from 12 to 3 Sports Take, three of us. We're going to have some unbelievable guests. And then at 8 o'clock, it'll be Derek, myself, Seth, Joyner, uh, Mike Quick, uh, Devin Caney, uh, and just a cast of thousands. Warriors are going to keep it rolling. Barrett's going to be joining us as well on that show also so we got a lot for you we're going to be at ocean casino resort in atlantic city stop on out it's going to be a party i am not exaggerating when i tell you that we're going to have just a wild wild night and it's already set up it's going to be a lot of fun so and the bus is full the bus is full is full man the bus is full baby full of what good question (laughs) the the luxury bus is full of something what yes i don't know but we'll we'll find out tomorrow what it's full of 
Okay. Uh, All right. So finally tomorrow we are here. We got we got the draft tomorrow. We have the Sixers and the Raptors game six. Phillies keep this thing rolling. It's going to be a busy, busy, fun sports day. That's for sure. Listen, don't go anywhere. Dan Cilio's got you coming up for the next three hours. Barrett, Derek, it was fun. Looking forward to tomorrow, guys. Likewise. I want to thank our producer, Xander Krause. Does an excellent job, as always. We will talk to you then. Sports Take, Jacob Media, YouTube Network. Have a good one. It's the biggest, most important draft in the history of this Philadelphia football franchise. The Jacob Media Sports 2022 NFL Draft Special. Live on 6ABC.com from the Ocean Casino and Resort in Atlantic City. Presented by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. IBEW Local 98, Stateside Vodka, United Healthcare, Mesa Law, 6ABC, and Pod- the official beer of the Philly sports fan. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? (laughs) Yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. (sighs) Go to Reddit, go to Love Cafe, come on. Mama, go up, up, up! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.